When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and welcome to Big Squid. I'm just going to get into some housekeeping, get it out the way. Uh, My last gig for the year is in Adelaide this Friday, the 20th of December. Uh, I'm going to be doing a show with some good friends, performing a year in review live show. It'll be pretty relaxed. Um, And between you and me, I've organised a password which will get you in for two for one tickets. And that password, all in one word, is Big Squid. So uh, apply that to adelaidecomedy.com for tickets this Friday, uh, the 20th of December, and uh, you'll be able to get yourself a little bargain. That should be a nice, fun show. Meanwhile, the new John Tilde Animus show, Time is the Fire, is opening in Adelaide on February 18th, 2020, which is a surreal story about a man and his toy monkey avoiding their enemies by fleeing them via music as a conduit to the past. And uh, if that sounds like way too much... I also have a stand-up show entitled, And Hamo Was His Name, Oh, which will be, on the surface, easily digestible comedy full of squid bits for people who want something else. And actually, you know what, between you and me, both shows line up in ways that won't be noticeable to the rest of the audience. So, no pressure to come to both, but as lovers of Watchmen, you will find echoes in the way the story is told and the techniques used to entertain the people in the room but also at the same time, uh, people like you who pick up on things, you'll get just a little bit extra. It's just for you if you want to come along. Uh, what a phenomenal end to the series. And as stated later, I will be completely fine if the team that created this series of Watchmen give us this and nothing more. Like, I'd love them to do more, but I'm very happy if this is it. And it's uh, crazy to think that a story that began with racism and the idea of appropriation and how harmful that can be, also at the same time, never lost its sense of irony as the show was quite clearly appropriated from one of the main creators in Alan Moore. Uh, Big ideas, big thoughts. This is what attracted me to comics when I was younger. 
uh, as a kid, big ideas, big, big uh, suggestions of what could be going on, all wrapped up in entertainment. And uh, this series has captured uh, that that sense of awe that I felt as a kid. Uh, you know, I love that. You know, we all had a show that encouraged the creative sides of the brain to think through stalling, uh, storytelling processes, and uh, you know. We all got together. We all got to think about what might happen next. Uh, personally, I loved that we had a TV series that encouraged me to ring my mum. And we would talk about it in a way that, you know, on the surface, felt like how people would extrapolate their thoughts after any TV show. Yet, it was also, in many ways, a positive culmination of what my mum taught me to look for in stories when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, encouraged me to look beyond the surface. And then... In reverse, it was also a genre that ref- that reflected my mum as a person. That allowed her to feel like it was her story and uh, not one that had to be admired from a distance because in the end game, you can only relate to beautiful godlike figures fighting for the universe in so many ways, right? You know, I, I started working on this podcast at 9am. It is now 12.30am the following day. And I'm still kind of buzzing over all the thoughts it's brought to me. I love that in the current climate where mainstream networks aim for the lowest common denominator in their messages, in their medium, this series not only didn't talk down to their audience, but aimed high with the idea that the fans will follow them. And we did. We followed them all the way. We theorized, we hypothesized, we reached out across the web, we exchanged thoughts and ideas on what this all meant. We wondered where the story was going. We had ideas on what it all meant. But the series never lost respect for the fans and never lost respect for the graphic novel all at the same time. Uh, But also, while working with the graphic novel, never treated it with an insouciance that would have been suffocating. And instead, it it challenged the original work. It pushed the original work uh, in, in a way that was not unlike a loved one growing into a a new paradigm within their family. Uh, And you know what? Before we get into it, I'm wrapped that you found this podcast. I'm wrapped that you found this podcast out of all the different podcasts that you could have listened to, and I have no idea why you joined in. And it doesn't even matter in the end. I'm wrapped. All the regular guests on this show are wrapped. Uh, I loved hanging out with them, and I hope together we've entertained you in the process of unpacking this great series. We have more ideas coming through. We finish the TV series with this episode. There are four more episodes that will cover the graphic novel. And, of course, we'll talk about the series as well. Uh, We have Ben returning two more times. We have Richard Feidlett making a return. And we have one final guest for the finale of Season 1 of Big Squid. And then we'll be back next year. But you know what? Why talk about the future when so much is occurring right now? Let's get stuck into the finale of Watchmen, and I promise you I'll do my best not to praise Damon Lindelof to such an extent you'll think, is he in the room?
how good is Damon Lindelof? And I need to say, before I even give anyone an opportunity to uh, answer that question, I have stood by him. I have stood by him. <laughs> Do you feel vindicated? I, yeah, mate, I, I stood by him at the uh, all the way through Lost, and I think the end of Lost is fantastic. People have heard me talk about it, and I've, I've stood by him. I saw Prometheus. Guess what? I like most of it, but, and it's not a perfect film. But you know who has not made a perfect film in a long time? Ridley Scott. So I'm not going to put the blame all on Damon Lindelof. I think Tomorrowland is... Is uh, underrated. Agreed. I think there's aspects of Star Trek that I really enjoy. The Leftovers, the first season, is a masterpiece, and anyone who tells you that you should just watch from season two on doesn't get it. The second <laughs> season is even better, and the third season ends brilliantly. And you know what I loved about that last uh, episode of Watchmen? All of it. I loved all of it, right to the very end, and it's made me very happy. And while you were watching it, you didn't even see me fly to the sun and punch it and fly back. <laughs> This anyway, is verbatim the That's rant it. that he does on the side of the street. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this has been the Big Squid Podcast. Thank yeah. you very much for listening this whole series. Yes, uh, and that's it. Iris out. Done. We're out. Um, it's okay if I weep at this point, isn't yes. it? Yes. Oh yeah, of that course. That was joyous. I I feel I, I had a note beforehand as we were sitting down to watch, uh, and the the you know you've got the paused still of mm. the of the opening shot before mm. we hit play. And I took in the moment of, I haven't watched this yet. Right. We've got a, a new Star Wars film that is mere days away as we record this. And it's a big week for uh, sci-fi endings. This, Mr. Robot finishes tonight. Yes. And, uh, you know, supposedly well, Star we'll Wars. See. Yes, they will milk that for all it's worth. But for what we know of the Skywalker yeah. legacy, as they're calling it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but just, you know, I was talking to someone the other day about um, the very first episode four, New Hope, and just that thought of you look at it now but forget about what it was the first time you watched it because you were too young to grasp that. So I made sure I took in this moment just beforehand to go, right, hopefully by the end of this we're in a very, very happy place where where we're very excited and let's remember this moment here before... Before that roller coaster ride begins, it was it, it was extremely entertaining from uh, my perspective because I'd already watched it in the afternoon and worked on the script for the podcast. <laughs> and then Ben, you turned up, and as we were coming up the stairs, you said to me, "So is is the ending good?" And I didn't say anything, and you said, "Your silence speaks volumes." <laughs> and, and I have been I've been working very hard on, you know. Like, it's so easy all the way through it to just lean over and go, hey, hey, oh, look well, at that. I did punch you in the thigh at one point. But that I can't was remember fine. what the moment was. No, but that it was, was like, it was this mutual, I felt we were mind meshed in that yes, moment. We yes. were both having a simultaneously joyful experience. But, but it's fine with you experiencing it for the first time yes. to punch me, but it would be annoying if I'd been leaning over. Well, as I said, I feel like a dark, this means a lot to you. I feel like a dark aura would have been emanating off you if you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> no, oh, I want to commend you on how many opportunities there were, even when uh, the two of us were yelling out, oh, Oh, this is about to happen. Yeah. And you you didn't even turn nah. on the screen. No. Nah. And I have to tell you, as someone who prides himself on being a good audience, it was really messing with me on a on an emotional level because there were a couple of times, like you heard it, Ben. There were a couple of times Rove just went, Oh my god, like like Tasma, your wife. Tasma pick the eggs. And I was just like still like I'd had a stroke, <laughs> you know. Like like Will Reeves had uh 
possess me and was about to make me climb up a tree. Like, that's how still I was at that May precise I moment. May I say, you have been, for this whole season, so bang on with your predictions. and so Not like, all of them. Most of them have been, look, put it this way, the ones where when you were saying them, yep. and I was kind of, you know, vaguing out, thinking, what a fucking nerd, this is yep. ridiculous, this is fan theory to the max. Well, still not right. incorrect, but yeah. Um, no, but, but it was it like, at the, and, and you said it on a previous podcast, and it's so true, it's the genius of this show is not that... That you could predict what was going to happen, but not how it was going to happen. Yeah. And so it was constantly surprising, despite, you know, kind of realising halfway through this episode, she probably is going to become Manhattan. Mm. I mean, you said it, Rove, at the beginning. Like, the, the, the poster has... She's been blue the whole time. Incredible. Yeah, but even then, how how we get there, and yeah, yeah. it was telegraphed last week with the, the egg, but at the same time, he's cracked the egg, and she refused to have it, and he, he's drunk it. So you kind of think... It's just an example, and there have been a multitude. This is the other beauty of this of this show: a multitude of egg references, right. one almost per episode. Yeah, that it's been staring at you in plain sight, and they must be giggling with glee. But again, you just go, "Well, that was the egg reference for last episode. It wasn't. Right. This whole thing is wrapped up with the egg. It's like, oh, when the you know he gets zapped and his powers get blown out, or the squids rain down, or something. That's when it will be passed on to Angela, right. not in this wonderful coda at the end of the episode and the whole yeah. series. It's uh, it it really has been. You know, when I by the way, when I say Lindelof, I I also talk about uh, mean by that like the teams that he surrounds himself with and. Uh, you know, to be honest, I love this so much. You, you know, when you look at things and you think, oh, I'd love to work on that. But you know what? I love this so much. I'm glad that I didn't have anything to do with it. You would have fucked it up. Or... I would have fucked it up. Or you wouldn't be able to enjoy it. As you know, you, as you, you just can't enjoy it. Because you've, made because it. you've helped build it. Mm. And uh, there's uh, something... Uh, you know, I think I told you about the time that I uh, auditioned for a small role in The Leftovers when they were filming in Melbourne. I only heard about this on the podcast. Yeah, and yeah. I was wrapped in hindsight that I didn't get it. Because mm. I would just... Because, like, imagine if I'd hung out with one of the minor actors and, like... Imagine if I'd stood next to Justin Throne and I said, hey, man, I really think you're great. And that poor guy's been like up for 16 hours for 17 days in a row. And he says in a very nice way, thanks. And I think, well, that wasn't much. And that's, <laughs> that's really upset me. And now I can't enjoy this because I love you and you don't love me as much. Anyway, never knew my dad. And, it has uh, to be a mutual feedback of love but for no, me to you, enjoy your work. But do you know what I mean? All it takes is something small for you to then be mildly Look, tainted. you can't. Always have a Clooney experience that like you've had in the past. Every single time. Every time you meet one of your idols, it can't be George Clooney yeah. every single time. Or David Bowie. That was a good time. That's true. If I was Dr. Manhattan, that's exactly where I am at the moment. Talking to Bowie, for, talking to for Clooney. For those uh, listening overseas who aren't aware of Hamo's history, I'm sure it exists somewhere online. You've told the stories many, of t- many a time. Oh, yeah. 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 But your heroes have been good to you thus far. I have been pretty lucky. I've been very, very lucky with uh, being into people. But I've also yeah. rolled the dice on some people. Like, I'm a big fan of Mike Patton. And I was once at a big day out after party in Adelaide. Yeah. And I was standing within, like, three metres of him. But I had read stories where he's been awesome. And I've read stories where he has been awful. And yeah. I don't know what's true and not true. And I may or may not have been having a good time. And I kind of looked at him <laughs> and I thought, I really love you. You know what I'm not going to do? Roll the dice on this moment because yeah. I don't want to throw out my Faith No More albums. I don't yeah, want to throw out yeah, my yeah, Mr. Yeah, Bungle yeah. albums. I want to... En- 
enjoy Mondo Carne. Like, do you know what I mean? I need to be able to... 100%. One of the greatest concerts I ever saw was Faith No More touring with their Angel Dust yeah. uh, tour anyway. So sometimes you've just got to be careful with who you roll the dice no, with. It does, it does affect it, though. I had, a, I had a, a few years ago at a Melbourne Comedy Festival, I had a fight with a uh, very prominent uh, American comic, uh, uh, MM, and uh, we got into a big tiff, and it kind of affected my uh, enjoyment of his comedy from then on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Especially if the person's playing a, a, someone that they're not in life. You know what I mean? All of a sudden you see through that paper tiger facade. And but, also, yeah. but also people are just people, you know? You, yeah. you just get him at a bad time kind of thing. Yep. You know, I have to say, uh, apart from his storytelling and everything, the one of the big lessons, I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, one of the big lessons I learned from Damon Lindelof was at the end of Lost that you can't be self-effacing online because people don't understand self-effacing. So when, so if you say something like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a big hit with the women, and then they look at you and go, oh, yeah, because you're a big hit with the women. You go, no, that's the joke I just made. Yep. And he would make self-effacing jokes, mm. and people would see that as a reason to pile on. What I've, what I've really enjoyed is I've seen interviews with him recently, because you know the infamous George R. R. Martin quote about at the end of Lost, he said, you know, it was like someone had taken a big shit on his fucking veranda or something like that. Did he really say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. George R. R. Martin. And you know what I've liked? There's been a little bit of fucking pushback from Lindelof where he just sort of says, hey, because he was a big fan and he loves his books and everything. So I can imagine that's hurt him. And that, but now it's a little bit of pushback, which is like, yeah, you know what? Finished it. And now I finished the leftovers, <laughs> and guess what? I just finished Watchmen like a boss. So why don't you just write your next book, which doesn't even finish it? Yeah, yeah. It has. It's. And I've, I've thought about that. It has. <laughs> well, take one out. How many do you need? Yeah. How many do you need? Yeah, Tolkien, Martin. How many do you need? Come on. From now on, I'm going to be just but an the, R. Uh, Hamilton. But it's got to hurt to have that idea of some <laughs> someone else finished your opus for you. Oh yeah, weird, rightly right? or wrongly. They saw it through and they they pushed through and made a yeah. path. Even if you decide I'm going to uh, take it a different way or just land it better, the point yeah. is they did it first. Yeah, when you it should have been you as got to hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he finishes it now or if he finishes it superior. It's still that is what it is in the collective unconscious. More people are going to watch the show than read the book. Right, I would think. Right, in yeah. this current age. Oh, yeah, it certainly does feel that way. Um, all right, let's get into the recap so then we can get into all the bits where we talk about how great this is and then I fly back to the sun again. Uh, we begin in 1985 at Karnak with Adrian Veidt filming his video message for Robert Redford. By the way, what a great thing to add. I have loved the video message to Robert Redford. And just as an aside, the camera person coughing oh. that I have to go for another <laughs> yes. take yes. is up there as one of my favourite moments with, uh, I think it's in True Lies, yeah. the Arnold Schwarzenegger True Lies, where the one of the terrorists is trying to make his oh, yes. his video yes. and the battery's running out on the camera <laughs> and his crony just doesn't have the heart to tell him. That sort of real world yeah. that's brought into those heightened situations, I think, is just beautiful comic. Oh, comic. man, so funny. Uh, by the way, this episode is entitled See How They Fly. I was too keen to get into the recap. I forgot to tell you what it was called. Anyway, let's go back. We begin in 1985, Karnak, with Adrian Veidt filming his video message for Robert Redford. The message that will one day be used to fuel the Seventh Cavalry, while Veidt films his message in front of his big squid, one of Veidt's workers, a woman who wears familiar-looking glasses, heads into his office to clean up. Alone, she hacks into his computer and reveals vials of 
fights semen or cum the cum. way Lady True dropped the, the funniest line of the entire show. Episode. <laughs> okay, so this is one of those moments as we're watching and things, as we realise things and we decide we need to call it out to the group. To yeah. go, I spotted this thing. Yeah. Mine was spoof. Spoof. <laughs> it was spoof too. <laughs> and then within 15 minutes, a more grown-up individual is, going, is, is saying the word cum. Oh, yeah, but don't underestimate spoof. That would have it been. did look spoofy, the hand cream. It had the viscosity of spoof. But also, ironically, using the hand cream in lieu of the semen, yeah. and hand cream is normally how people can get the oh, semen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if that's a squid bit or not. I don't know. It's, it should be. Um, I'd love to know if there were like heaps of takes where they used heaps of euphemisms and then uh, then sat down and watched all of them. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you keep your vials of jizz? Oh, no, that's awful. Joy so, juice? Joy juice. <laughs> Baby gravy. Uh, all of it is awful. Uh, they they picked the right word. Anyway, uh, this woman, she takes one of the batches of semen, batch two, three, four, six, and injects it into herself, quoting the words of the original and legendary Lady True. We cut to 2008 and watch as a person approaches Karnak and knocks on the door. Vite answers the door and the person reveals themselves to be the woman we know as Lady True. Vite has no idea who this woman is, though, and when True reveals that she knows he created the alien hoax, he lets her in for a cup of tea. Vite laments that President Redford doesn't return his calls while showing True his teleporter, not a euphemism, that sends his baby squid, not a euphemism, all over the world, definitely not a euphemism, to maintain his hoax. Can I throw in at this point how, a euphemism? <laughs> how much I loved his reference when she knocks at the door and he he answers it to say, you know, are you a fan? Yes. And and if not, no, you can't use the restroom, suggesting yeah. they are two things that have happened in the past. Uh, yeah. People have come all the way to his Karnak hideout in Antarctica yeah. just to get an autograph. Oh, here we go. It's like a mint condition. I haven't taken the toy out of the box. Can yeah. you sign it for me? Yeah. Or just, I'm here just to be like the one millionth person to find the South Pole. Can I just use your toilet? It's a terrible <laughs> hiding place, it turns out. Uh uh, Vite laments that President Redford hasn't uh, doesn't return his calls while showing True his teleporter that sends his baby squid all over the world to maintain his hoax. I don't need to say that same joke again. True is dismissive, saying it is a rerun that she has a better plan to use the power of Doctor Manhattan. Vite is in turn bemused, saying he doesn't have a hotline to Mars, but True reveals he isn't there. That the video suggests uh, that suggests he is there is actually a fake and instead she has found his frequency emanating from Europa. True has launched a probe that will reach Europa in five years, 72 days, nine hours and 17 minutes that will take photos of the Doctor. This is how we know that Vite with his catapult knows when the satellite will be flying by so he, he can spell out his plea with dead frozen crookshanks and Phillips. True explains she is going to steal Dr. Manhattan powers so she can save the world properly like he should have always done. All she needs is $42 billion from Vite. He's incredulous. Why should he help her? Because she's his daughter, a fact he also finds incredulous. He's never given himself to a woman, interesting, and draws a parallel with Alexander the Great. By the way, he talked about Alexander the Great the way I talk about David Bowie, where you almost get a little bit like if someone looked at one of my uh, uh, albums and said, is that David Bowie? I would be like, yes. (laughs) How dare you, sir? How dare you? Uh, Lady, Retru- uh, Lady True reveals how this all happened, but Vite will not help her. He will give her nothing because he built himself up from nothing. And if she's so great, she can do it on her own too. He also states he will never call her daughter. 
He goes full Eddie Vedder on her ass in that one. Back in his cell, a joke for people from the 90s. Back in his cell on Europa, Veidt looks out of his window and sees a spaceship descend. He crawls through the tunnel he has dug with his horseshoe and makes a dash for freedom. He's attacked by the game warden. After a short scuffle, Veidt stabs him with his horseshoe and explains to the game warden that he insisted he wear a mask to make him cruel, to create a worthy adversary, to help pass the boredom he endured in this perfect world. Veidt lets the game warden know his final moments that he wasn't a worthy adversary, but he at least put on a hell of a show. What an arsehole. Like, just, he's the first one too. Do you know what I mean? He's the first one. It was a real twist of the knife. Uh, very cruel. Twist of the horseshoe. <laughs> Veidt enters the spaceship and is encased in gold for the long journey back to Earth. In the present, Lady True goes to tell her daughter that she is in fact her mother, but the daughter already knows this information. They then release Veidt from his golden cryogenic freeze and Lady True re- revels in the fact that he took the time to spell out the word daughter. With her mother and father present, Lady Tree sets her plans in motion to steal Dr. Manhattan's powers. Meanwhile, Laurie Blake finds herself bound and trapped with the 7th Calvary. Suddenly, there's a radio message about problems with their plan. That plan is the moment where Angela tries to protect Dr. Manhattan. While Senator Keane tries to find out what is happening, one of the 7th Cavalry reveals to Laurie that it's Wade in disguise and he'll free Laurie as soon as he can. But before they can act, Dr. Manhattan is teleported into the trap they've set for him. As he's teleported, Angela tortures the 7th Cavalry member who pulled the trigger on the device. She needs to know where the man that she loves has gone. Senator Keane talks to his father, Joe Keane, and the rest of the Cyclops slash 7th Cavalry that their plan was to wrest power away from President Redford, but when the attacks took place on the White Knight, one of Keane's followers was teleported away in the attack on Angela. This is when they knew Dr. Manhattan was in Tulsa and their plan changed. Their plan changed to take the power of Dr. Manhattan and make the world perfect in their eyes. Judd and his wife became close to Angela so they could take advantage of this situation. Boo! Boo! Don't that really me... fucked me up. Yeah, because I love Don Johnson, and I know he's yeah. playing a part. But that yeah, was yeah, and that really messed me up because I, I mean, maybe it's my maybe it's my whiteness speaking, but I didn't want to believe that he was a bad guy because he has so much warmth in that first episode. Yeah, and there was so many instances of shades of grey with a lot of the characters here that you weren't sure who you were meant to be cheering for. That I did think, yeah, okay, maybe it's a weird piece of his family history that he's hanging on to like right. he said like this is it's my grandfather's it's part of who i am yeah and whether you choose to accept it or not that's why i kind of keep it hidden i'm not proud of it but but that's what it is and i i kind of hope that that yeah it maybe wasn't as literal as that well i wanted to believe that he was keeping it as a reminder of what you could become yeah and what you shouldn't become and then i don't know like the, the act was so convincing his love for angela well, and her family you know what it reminded me of it's like you know when you see matt damon turn up in interstellar and you go yeah. you keep hearing dr man is the best mm. of us and then it's matt damon you go oh yeah matt damon is the, best, the best of us and then you go no he's not he's yeah, awful yeah, yeah, by yeah. the way chapter 239 of my ongoing series <laughs> I can relate most things back to Christopher Nolan. Um, <laughs> just as Senator Keane is about to enter his machine, oh, we've already had a chapter from the Bowie ongoing as well. I've got two <laughs> ongoings. Just as Senator Keane is about to enter his machine that will steal Dr. Manhattan's powers, Angela arrives and explains to him that this is Lady True's plan, that if he steps into the machine, he's about to help her plan come to fruition. Senator Keane has no interest in listening and enters the machine. They press the button to transfer the powers. There's a flash. And then suddenly the world changes. The machine teleported everyone in their surroundings to where Lady True has her device ready to steal the ultimate power. It was Lady True's plan all along. 
How did Lady True know about John? That information was given to her by Will Reeves, Angela's grandfather. They open Senator Keane's machine and his liquid, fa- his liquid form spills out, spreading across the floor. Uh, I didn't have time, just before you guys came over, I had a quick look at Alan Seppenball's recaps. I, don't, I, I write the scripts and then I you know, go to my favourites and I've loved Alan Seppenball for a long time now. And um, the actor uh, who played Senator Keane was um, Bob in Mad Men and there's a great scene from that where uh, one of the main characters says a a very funny, not good Bob, like, you know, it's a really funny moment. Anyway, um, good work, Alan Seppenball. He changed it to uh, not happy Blob and it was like, oh, Blob, Bob, well done. That's why you're Alan Seppenball and the rest (laughs) of us would love to keep up. Love him. Love so much about everything at the moment. Um, So... uh, they open Senator Keane's machine and his liquid form, liquefied form spills out, spreading across the floor. True reads a letter to the 7th Cavalry from Will Reeves and in honour of her deal with Hooded Justice, Lady True kills all of the main players in that conspiracy. Sorry, once again, beautifully played with that, you know, archetypal villain knows that their demise is on their way. Well, what are you going to do? Just kill us. Why don't you just shut up and kill us? Yeah. Are you going to kill us? And then it was, and True's response is, oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, man. Hot was, was, was so, so good. Oh, but so beautifully done that then you see the fear in everyone's faces. Yeah. Of, oh, like, well, great. Thanks a lot. Except the, except, I don't know the character's name, Judd's wife, yeah. who seems to accept it with quite a lot of serenity. She well, shuts her eyes and just. Well, if anything, she it. seems like she's the toughest one there. Yeah. Like, you know, when like, Laurie absolutely goes. Absolutely playing and, for keeps. Oh, yeah. When Laurie goes and confronts her in the seventh episode, yeah. she's got a steely resolve that, man, she's involved. But that real animalistic uh, archetype in your DNA. Yeah. That just when you are backed into a corner and you are afraid is when you bare your teeth and you lunge. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, Lady True is Adrian's daughter. You know, yeah. oh, when are you going to do it? What? I did it 35 minutes ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why don't you just kill us? Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, i got some things to do. Might as well get this out of the way. Love it. How do you think uh, Will's going to react when he finds out she didn't read the whole letter? When she oh. gets back, so so did you did you read the letter? What, well, what, happened, what happened when we got when man. I got to the bit at the end? I I got to the first two sentences. That's the second season. And then <laughs> she, she forces uh, forces Angela to go back in time and make uh, <laughs> Lady <laughs> True do the whole the whole thing. Nine episodes. <laughs> I'll watch every episode, and I'll do as multiple long as, times. Yeah, multiple times, and I'll do a podcast that's as deep as this one. Um, True waits for the powers to be transferred for her to ascend to godhood, but as her machine kicks into gear, frozen squid drops from the sky, causing damage throughout Tulsa, destroying the machine and destroying Lady True in the process. Laurie rings one of the Doctor Manhattan booths and tells Angela to run to safety, and she finds sanctuary in the old theater. Inside, she speaks to Will, who looks over her children. This is where John teleported them to safety. Will talks to Angela, explains that this was all John's idea, even passing on the information of where he'd be to Lady True. He was the architect of his own demise. Will asks Angela if she took his pills, and when she says yes, he declares now Angela knows everything, his origin story. Will also says to Angela that at the right time, you can't make an omelette without cracking some eggs. And Sorry, then this will mean something at the right time. Angela doesn't understand this, so Will guesses this isn't the moment. Angela invites Will home to stay with him for a couple of nights at least. 
Back in Karnak, Veidt celebrates their victory by showing Laurie the original our ship, Archie, that can take her and Wade back to civilization. Laurie tells Veidt that they're going to arrest Adrian for his crime of murdering three million people with his big squid hoax. Wade shows Vite a copy of his video that will help indict him, uh, showing that they have some proof. Adrian begins to lecture Laurie, but Wade knocks him out, and together they drag Adrian to the airship. After the frozen, raining squid have stopped, Angela takes her family to her secret headquarters and they travel home. Will tells Angela that he liked John, but he could have done more. As Angela cleans up the broken eggs she threw on the ground when John was attempting to make pancakes, she suddenly remembers their first time together, when John told Angela that he could pass his out his powers into an egg, an egg that, if consumed, would pass on his powers, his abilities. She opens the carton and finds one egg left, undamaged and whole. She takes it outside and steps to the edge of the pool. She breaks the egg and eats it. With one careful step, she gently brings her foot down on the surface of the water in the pool. She hesitates and our story ends. So It was beautiful. Oh yeah, it was so good. It was so good. Uh, so, look, uh, let's let's just get back to Lindelof... Um, uh, quickly, but he's known unfairly for his endings. Uh, you know, I've already said the ending to Lost gets a bad rap. Uh, people hated the ending of Prometheus. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but in his defence, people who didn't like the ending of Lost are wrong, and uh, everyone's <laughs> entitled to their opinion. And as I said before, Prometheus was made by Ridley Scott, who has made one good movie in the past 25 years, and even then, he came in at the last minute, and so that was more a movie about how good Matt Damon is. So, you know, I would say that's probably, you know, not that great a movie on his part. Anyway, the ending to each season of The Leftovers is pitch perfect. So what I'm asking you guys is just say yes, and then we can get on to something else. Yes? All right. Mr. Now, here's Lindelof, my first are you looking for legal counsel? <laughs> Mr. Hamilton is available. <laughs> so, a- absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, uh, do you, maybe I'm just re- remembering things differently. Yeah. But I know that there was a, also the, the ending for The Sopranos was very controversial. Oh, as yeah, well. for sure. Like, I remember uh, Lindelof and Carlton Cuse mm. uh, saying that when they saw the ending of The Sopranos, they were like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And then when it got <laughs> started getting slaughtered, they were like, oh, we are in so much trouble. And that's that's a, that's a sign, that's one of those examples of mm. being self-effacing online, I don't think is a good idea because people don't get it and it becomes part of the narrative. So do you think we're just more used to these type of endings now? Or is it how we get there? Is it the fact that this isn't the end of a seven season run or something mm. like that? It's just It's just this story. And in many respects, I think, certainly for the three of us, yeah. we were watching in that moment, uh, especially for us not having watched it already, that as it was beautifully timed with how that foot was getting closer and closer to the surface of the water, we were all really feeling like, like we don't want to see it. Yeah. I know you're going to yank it. I know yeah. you're going to go to black. Yeah. And I want that to happen. Yes. And the longer you hold it, the more I know it's going to be such a brilliant release at the end of it. Yeah. But is there a time where maybe that couldn't have happened as much? Are we just more used to that ending that that's the ending we actually want over a more definitive we see the step happen? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think, uh, well, I feel like uh, we're probably uh, have a better sense of the the literature of TV yeah. and storytelling. 
So, uh, so if you've been watching this show carefully, he says in the last episode when he's standing on the water. Yeah, remember the water. This will be important later. Oh yeah, he said that I in the last episode. I don't need to see her step on the water. No effect of her going and turning into a blue, you know, uh, <laughs> version of herself is going to be as cool as what's going on in my head. Yeah, and that moment, it's like, and and so much of this episode was wrapped up so beautifully and neatly. Most of our hanging questions have been answered. Yeah, I'm glad ones. for a little bit of ambiguity at the end. Well, that's that is almost what you want, isn't it? Yeah. It's that idea of, well, in your head, maybe it was just happened to be the one egg that didn't crack when you yeah. dropped yeah. a carton of eggs, which can happen. And now she has and salmonella. Has, <laughs> and now she is literally going blah 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 yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. And now she has salmonella, and yeah. uh, season two is Angela recovering. Yeah. Uh, and would you eat the egg? I I had a, there was a part. Oh, of me, would I eat the yeah, egg? Would you eat the egg? Yeah. You would. Yeah. No hesitation. Yeah, because I just know that I'm heaps right about stacks of and things. So I'd fix the world. And you love protein. You love and I love protein. protein. <laughs> That's why I'm so jacked. I, I felt like I would have kept it a bit longer. <laughs> there was a part of me that was almost thinking she keeps it. Yeah. And because the way Topher looked at the Sister Knight mm. outfit oh, yeah. Yeah. had me thinking we, we're getting shades of Will's son yeah. looking at, at his. Oh, yeah. I've got some notes on that. That, that had me thinking... Geez, maybe we see later on it's Topher that comes and opens the fridge well, and there's, that, that's one, why egg, there's I did one egg left no, in the you, fridge. You know, you know, Will is mad for eggs. Like, the last thing you need is Will comes in and it's like, ah, oh, no, now Hooded Justice is the most powerful person. That could have been me. Because I found it very interesting that there, there seemed to be ver- no deliberation or no weighing up. Because, I mean, this isn't just like... Oh hey, I'm taking some supplements and I'm going to be a better version of me. It's like no, you're becoming a new f- species. Like this is like an ant turning into a human being. You're going to have a uh, uh, an experience of life that you don't even have the words to describe. And it, I just, yeah, it made me it put me in that great position that you want to be in when you're watching stuff. Like you know, what would yeah. I do in that position? Is there a part of you, Mister? I wish I was in the writers' room. No, I don't. Because I, I, I feel like they, I wish I was they just on the outside. mapped out multiple <laughs> storylines and multiple oh. ways that this could have gone. Is there a version of this ending, do you think, where she just breaks the egg? She doesn't eat it. She yeah. just... Oh, yeah, it yeah. Just, like throws it away, does something where I don't want that responsibility. Yeah, oh, look, I'm sure there are earlier iterations where there isn't even the transference of power. You know, I feel like it's um, the the way the series is layered. You know, like uh, what? Okay, well, one of the squid bits that I noticed was, uh, and I don't know, I'll, I'll get to it a bit later. But it's when the uh, the clapboard mm-hmm. at the start, it's the date of the episode being released, and it says right. uh, take eleven, and it's like, oh, were there eleven versions of this script? Are you sending us a little <laughs> message that you know heaps of you, you tried heaps of things? I, I could imagine that they Probably. went in lots of different directions and, uh, you know, not eating the egg, not breaking the egg and doing that scene is still still she pretty... She completely confused and tries to shove the egg up her bum or something. Oh, my God. Lie. I don't know who knows. <laughs> yeah. <But> she <laughs> becomes Dr. Manhattan <laughs> so over a slow options. release. More to the, more, I remember the 90s. Maybe a more interesting question than would you eat the egg? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I feel I, a bit... No, I just got that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, I feel a bit giddy because I'm just having a really good time. Um... More to the point of like whether you would eat the egg, do you think that a normal human being has the capacity to take on that responsibility? Because as Will says about, you know, remember John was a right. human being before he was a god. Right. And, and Will says he didn't do enough. And it's true. He didn't do enough. So he fucked around in Vietnam and then fled 
the planet and didn't fuck it. He could have doubled the water supply. He could have yeah. gotten rid of global warming. He could so, have done so much. Yeah, so my, my actual real question after the question where I said that you have to agree with me uh, was Demanded that... Demanded, nay. Uh, no, no, like I did demand and rightfully so. Um but uh, the second question here I have is, uh, with an ending that leaves room for speculation and the possibility that this is all we're getting from this team in the Watchmen world, uh, would you say the finale is optimistic or a tragedy? While Dr. Manhattan is the most powerful being in existence, is there a possibility that the, tra- the tragedy that John talks about is Angela taking on his powers? And remember, in the comic, uh, John once stated that we're all puppets. He can just see the strings. So yeah. is it like, or, you know... Like it's it's not just the ambiguity of did she get his powers or did she get salmonella and drown at the bottom of the pool? <laughs> it's also does she get the powers and do great things with them? Does she get the powers and she's just as trapped as he was? Like there, there, there's there's a lot more ambiguity than just the specific walking on water. Well, of course, because we want to assume that she's going to, you know, usher in a new age of, you know, racial acceptance and we're all one and we're all equal. But the reality is when you, you know, I think those ascended Buddhist masters, they don't live in a cave for no reason. They live in a cave because they're completely detached from the day-to-day goings-on of the rest of us. Right. Because, you you know, I assume you hit a point of transcendence and enlightenment where it's like, oh, yes, okay, go about your little... Yeah. doings you know really the universe is this giant clockwork mechanism and you know really we're very insignificant and i think yeah. if you attain some kind of god level status i think you would become detached do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah like, does, like and I, I i feel like any human being that was suddenly uploaded into that realm might not necessarily give a shit anymore i think that's probably yeah. the more natural reaction than suddenly becoming this altruistic god that wants to fix everything right if you're suddenly seeing quarks and protons and what you know, you can go anywhere in the universe and you experience all time as one. Yeah, some little species on a little rock is maybe not that important anymore. Well, that's what it comes down to with Doctor Manhattan is that this isn't someone with superpowers, and and so much of how he is referenced in the comics is not he's he's a hero or a, or a masked adventurer. Right, he's a superhero. He is deemed the the a bona fide superhero, and there's a reason why he is the one who is selected to actually have powers. Yeah. That makes you realise, yeah, this isn't just the ability to fly or, or leap taller than a, a building and bounce bullets. This is everything that comes with it and just the the weight on your shoulders that it gives you to, as we saw last week when he's saying we're having, uh, oh, you know, I'm actually being ripped apart atom by atom. Yeah. It's happening as we speak right here in the future. I'm experiencing the past at the same time. Right. I can see where... A, you wouldn't want to take that on. Right. And B, that if you think you did, it would be too much to experience. You can right. sit there watching someone pump out a heavy weight and then go, oh, let me try. I think I could do that. But when you actually have to hold it, yeah. unless Hamo's there to spot you, you just, you're crushed. Right. You're, you're it's, crushed. It's all over. That's why I let, lend myself out on Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> uh, not public holidays. <laughs> also, if she, if she transcends her humanity... Yes. Does she even identify as an African-American female anymore who has a history of, right. you know, horrendous racial violence in her past? Like, but if she's gone, if she's gone post-human, yes. well, does that mean she's gone post all of the identity stuff that goes with that? Which would explain in many ways John, yeah. you know, and his journey through specifically the graphic novel yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, How John, John is a child of Holocaust survivors, is right. that right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's not going out of his way to stop genocides anymore. Oh no, they 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 escaped, but you know they escaped. Nazi but he can still identify. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he he was still identified with that experience yeah. and that and that lineage and that history. And there's never any suggestion in the novel or the series that he, you know, gave a shit about oppression or genocide or anything. No, and he comes from that stock, so yeah. you know. But I think- he does recreate those people that were nice to him and showed him and explained love to him on Europa. That's true, but th- but in a weird way, there, you know, is that an altruistic act? It's almost like a cruelty. It's like sea monkeys. Like they they've got a very <laughs> right. They've got a very limited <laughs> well, scope of experience. You know what I mean? I would love to like, have a. I, that was a perfect description. If, if someone if someone's really good at art who is listening to this podcast, can you like if if you have time? And I know you're really busy because it's the festive season. But if you could make an advert. That yeah. looks like the sea monkeys that used to be on the back of comics, but you changed it to the Phillips and Crookshanks. I would be And just one of them has to have a little mask. And one, one, just one. The one you want to be. Did you guys ever the one do you sea want to be cruel to? Were you as disappointed as me that they didn't have the little crowns? They, they are back, and uh, they're back. They're back. We, yeah. we got some. Must have been this time last year for Christmas or you my got daughter's them, birthday. You, you got some And I was, I was a little bit wound at first because I was like, oh, that's right. This yeah, is, right. At firstly, oh, this is all they are. But then you watch them and it's quite exciting. And then yeah. I think we did something wrong and one by one they started to die out. And, uh, and then you just start thinking, oh, well, then why am I keeping this up? And, you, and there's, the <laughs> urban myth, there's the urban myth of if you dry them out, you can, they can be reborn again. Oh, really? That and sounds. I thought we could test that theory, or I could just line them all up and yep. just say, "Save me, daughter." Uh, oh, and right, I could say, "Line them up." The dried sea monkeys out and snort a line off them. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just did a line of sea monkey. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, he's, a line of he, life. he seems overly confident and keeps eating bananas. Oh no, he's just done a line of sea monkey. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just too much. Um, but it's an interesting question, isn't it? To 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 know if you know. Imagine if the tragedy wasn't him dying, but there was that. He knew he was going to pass on, and he kind of anyway. I think there's something very yeah, interesting. And would to she it. care about her kids anymore? Yeah, and a, a very Christ-like. I, I was almost thinking this is a squid bit in a way. Yeah, that very Christ-like thing of I kill myself for yeah. the for the greater good, and even to the point where you know I could save myself. Yeah, or I die to make the world a better place for right. everybody else. I die to uh, stop white supremacy. Nice one, Doctor Manhattan. It's, uh, it, but it's it, it, I find it fascinating that idea of taking that on because it is I mean you know like I'm, I'm, I don't know about you guys but I may have partaken in some substances in my early twenties that uh, allowed time to dissolve and right. and me feel like I uh, had yeah. a connection to all things. Imagine and, if you were still there. Uh, yeah, well that's the thing for that for eternity. Podcast. There's a reason that our brains work the way we do because you cannot function in the world like that. Right. It is too it, it's too much. Did you did you strip when you were in that sort of mindset as well? Yeah. Did you strip out and just let yourself run naked? I'm. I may have lay naked in a field of mud, sinking into the mud, going, I love you, Earth. I love the Earth. I love the Earth. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. That's yeah, nice. of course. I don't have a giant blue dick, though. Oh, well. A little Jew- <laughs> got a little Jew one. Well, like, that's... Um... In a jar at home, it's a, it's a really interesting talking point. When yeah. come over for dinner. Yeah. What's that over there? Oh, you know what? Let's save it for after the Frankfurters. Um... <laughs> Look, I don't want to overreact. Let's get tattoos. Let's get tattoos of my face beaming because Lindelof and Co. nailed it. Um, so uh, I wrote this question, and I reckon it's maybe a bit hard. So I'm, I'm going to change it slightly. I originally wrote, who was your MVP for the series? But 
how about we go, who who were your top three? And I think even that's difficult. Mirror face, looking glass. And, the, uh, and pathos, give me... Oh, and, yeah, and yeah, the depth yeah. of character. Yeah, I, feel I like want to know no why more, as well. There was no more character that was... Um, that carried the weight of the events as that character did. I felt like, you know, every time you looked in his eyes, there was a real depth of emotion. Yep. Uh, it has to be Angela. That, if, if that's not number one, I'm mm. not quite sure who else is. Perhaps Will would be up there. Um, and I'm going to say... Lady True, Lady right, True, up, that's what I'm right say. up until this episode, yeah. but even then... No, but the, the, what, what, uh, the, act, the actress playing Lady True, every line delivery was just, you mm. know, this cutting, beautiful uh, delivery of, of dialogue. I would want to say Laurie to an extent, but I feel she we, we did kind of lose her in the last couple of eps. But, uh, and you know what? Surprisingly, Adrian. <laughs> I, I think when you when you consider where he was when we left him at the end of the of the the comics anyway, where he started here, where it all seemed like we're just going to see the beginning of his demise. Yeah, like even there was a point where I think you know even even Hamo had this early of the idea. Of, oh, okay, we know who the statue is. The statue literally is him. But I was thinking to the point where, okay, we're going to find out how yeah. this was his end point, not that not he that continued this was, on yeah, from there. Yeah, one, one, one stop gap in the, in the journey. So I'd, I'd put that in the list. And look, somewhere along the way, surely Luke Guy has, you know, just he has literally slipped under the radar and you know, maybe we'll never know. He was, the, he was the absolute mastermind, was Petey on Petypedia the whole time. Oh man, Petypedia. Uh, I've got some more on that a little bit later. You know what? I, I agree with everything that was uh, said then because it's actually really hard because I actually, you know, uh, now and again you read stuff and you shouldn't because it disagrees with you. But I would read people. Uh, I'm going to be really bullish on this. I loved it so much. I've hit a point in my life where I'm. Yeah, not this gonna... is how Fox News viewers speak, mate. It's fine. I'm, I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're uh, right to talk this way. If you really love something, you should really back it 100 percent and uh, not pretend that you agree with anyone who dissents. But the, uh, you know, I was reading that some people were thinking that the Vite storyline was superfluous, like the Tales of the Black Freighter. But it was like, no, this is this is so important, and it's and it's so entertaining. And sometimes it was the like, like the graphic novel, this series has been really funny. And that's, that's one of the things that people don't realise with The Leftovers as well. It's really yep. funny all the way through. And, and, and uh, that what makes it brilliant is these characters aren't afraid to, at certain points, just turn around and go, like, that's absurd. Yep. What was that? Well, even one of my favourite moments in this episode is there's Laurie. She's bound right. in this chair. Yes. She doesn't know if she's there to be some sort of sacrifice or not for whatever right. this greater good or if she's yep. going to be assassinated. She's quite clearly a prisoner and she's been brought there for a reason. You would think she would be terrified. Right. And her first thing when she realises that she's got looking glass next to her. Right. Is she's like, Mirror Guy, is that yeah. you? Like still <laughs> she gets his name wrong. Yeah. She won't even call him by his name. She just goes by her, her ridiculous nickname for him. Oh, That's man. What, and it's so true to her character. Gene Smart, so good. Did, did either of you guys notice that the uh, patterning on the uh, Rorschach mask that Looking Glass was wearing mirrored his moustache? His oh, yeah, moustache. no, I didn't notice that. Fantastic. That's great. Fantastic detail. It's such a... Um, it, it's a really hard... Like, like it's it's quite clearly Regina King's series. Like, yeah. like it's like... 
the Chicago Bulls yep. won six championships, and Scottie Pippen was amazing in all six. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, Horace Grant. Sometimes it was Dennis Rodman. Steve Kerr had a great cameo in one game. But you know who won? Yeah. Michael Jordan. Of course. And it's Regina King. Yeah. Like, she is the Michael Jordan of this series. She is so good. But There's a reason c- they got him for Space Jam, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, right? Let's well, be honest. Also, he's the only person that I'd trust playing animated aliens. But the uh, but the but when you get to... Cause, so that's why I changed the question. To say the, anyone else was the MVP is yeah. being disingenuous. But who are the next two? I love Jeremy Irons. He was great. Gene Smart was fantastic. Uh, like Looking Glass, like Looking Glass felt like I kept saying he was the raw shark of the series, but he was like the actually cool Boba Fett of the series. Well, he was also a lot of the moral conscience of the series as well. You know, like I think a lot of them are very kind of conflicted in their morality right. and go back and forth, and you see a lot of yeah. stuff. You know, even that first episode where uh, Regina King's character beats the shit out of that guy and it's yeah. like yeah cool he's a white supremacist and he deserves to get dragged into a bathroom and beaten up but not, not really either if we're living right. in a civil society that yeah that, that you know isn't violating people's rights then yeah. you know that's that's it's it's a bit fucked up i don't recall a moment in the series where he does anything that strays from his own personal morality right. he, in that way he very much is the Rorschach of the series in that he knows what is right and yeah. he will not deviate from yeah. that but unlike Rorschach it's not this kind of crazed you know right wing and Randian agenda no he's 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 really practical yeah. and he's really honest yeah. and that's why you know he's had lots of relationships but they don't work out because he's honest that these can't work out because yeah. of the way I am. And I think in such an outlandish series where everyone is, you know, really playing it up to 11, you right. need that character. Oh, that's yeah, grounded for sure. Human. But I also appreciated that we didn't need the resolution for for him and Angela with the betrayal, in inverted commas, right. over the cactus. Right. Like, there were so many little elements that, in part, felt like, oh, do we need some sort of resolution there? Right. Do we need Laurie to have something with Dr. Manhattan? She'd been calling him on this phone. There's obviously some yeah. connection that she still has, this loss that she still feels. But I was okay that I feel like the way that, that we ended the series, right? it will keep going. These conversations will be had. I don't need to see it played out. No, we've got it there, and and I and I respect that the the writer's intent is well. Uh, quite clearly, they will, and we don't need to waste airtime on it because I do think Looking Glass, like like Ben was saying, we've got he's so his compass is true, right? So he he I I think that after everything that's happened, the fallout will happen. And uh, and uh, even Angela will be able to say, I can see why you did what you did. And when right. you look at the three characters that are sort of remaining at the end, yeah, together in that in that instance, well, they can have that discussion and realize that well, we're all after the same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, by the way, uh, I think one of you mentioned uh, Hong Chow as Lady True. Mm. Like she could easily be the second best character in the series. Yeah. She is so funny. Yeah. Uh, do not underestimate that opening scene when she buys the farm. Like that is. Oh, a, are we are we saying that was Veet that landed? In yeah, that, that was. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, but also like Lou Gossett Jr. Mm. Like, like goodness gracious! Like just, imagine just, like just, you've had the career that you've had, and then you get this. Just a tiny thing tonight, uh, in in this episode when they're in the theater and he's just talking and 
his hand is up near his face and it's just it's this artistic gnarled almost tree stump of a of a hand yeah. and, I, and I mean that in just just I I feel it was it, he was directed to put his hand up for a reason because you just see the age and well, the gravitas that he brings as an actor. Right. Uh, and for all he, he did to break all the ceilings that were there for a, a, a man like him to try to make it in, in show business. Right. And here he is where, you know, you look at who's there at the end with uh, with Will and Angela and, and, and John. Yeah. And we've got African-American actors. Yeah. Is, is extraordinary. I'm sure there was a time where he never would have thought that was possible. Yeah. But then there he is, and you just see that age, but that physical age of, of seeing his hand up like that. I oh, just, yeah. I was, yeah. I've, ne- I've never been captivated by a hand so much. I know incredible. exactly what you mean. Uh, thing from the Adams is furious. I, uh, <laughs> the, um, I think the end also subverts how these stories normally play out the way the graphic novel's ending also subverts the way these things play play out like it's not a team up there isn't there isn't a shootout there isn't you know get, like angela doesn't save the day mm. you know uh, laurie and uh, you know laurie's victory is she's going to arrest vite uh you know uh looking glass's victory is that he can tell Vite three weeks ago that or two weeks ago there'd been a squid like everyone's victory is a small victory but it leads to a greater good and it uh you know like don't get me wrong like I was there was a part of me that really wanted to see a, a hero shot of Sister Knight, Lube <laughs> Man, you know, Laurie, Dr. Manhattan, Looking Glass. But it like Someone can just draw that, yeah, 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 <laughs> and I'll yeah. be wrapped with the drawing. But, but I don't I, want to see that. But in I the think series. that the victories are um, actually a lot more significant than that. You know, like Looking Glass can finally let go of being right. a prisoner of his own mind. Oh yeah, and he's found the truth. Yes, Laurie can finally make peace for her complicity in a appalling. Oh yeah, sorry, you know, I was speaking more from an action point. Of oh view. Yeah, 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 yeah. But emotionally, yeah, all emotionally, the... I think their arcs are their their, their victories done. are huge. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and then, and, and, and just on a metatextual level with Angela, you know, for an African-American woman to become, I mean, assuming she doesn't just plunge through the water, yeah. that, that egg did contain the powers. She becomes, you know, God. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, on a metatextual level in 2019, that is a profound statement for a yeah. mainstream television show to be making. Oh, so many people are going to be upset yeah, with that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, conversely, so many people are going to be really empowered by that. Yeah. And, you know... See a, a vision well, that has not existed before. You know, what they've done is, with that final image, what they've done is they've given to young uh, African-American women in the real world what Angela felt when she saw the cover to Sister Nun and didn't quite know what it was. 100%. You know? Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, you know, as, a, as above, so below, that's what's happened within that story. And yep. it's, it's amazing. And, you know, you look back at the poster... It says Watchmen. She's looking straight at us. There's a blue glow. Do you know what I mean? Like they were telling us right well, from the start. I mean, that's and that's the, the the genius of the series in terms of its mirror of the of the book is that much like the book, it's been telling us everything. You know, there was no, there was nothing, and I mean this in the best possible way. There was nothing mm. in that last episode that was like, "Holy shit! I never yeah. saw that coming." Yeah, it was all like, "Oh, it was there all along." Yeah, much like you know, the man with the end is nice sign, you know, rooting through the bin, uh, yeah. uh, an issue before it's revealed that it's Rorschach. It's right there. Yeah, 
but you know the way it's unveiled is delicious. Yeah, but a, a really good creator gets you to that end point that you wanted to be at anyway. Right. But does it in a way that still makes it feel like, yeah, but I didn't see that coming. I, I feel, I know we've had this conversation before. I don't know how much, whether with this was done on mic last last episode or not. <laughs> but sometimes that's where people can go wrong when right. they're writing shows because they feel the need to put the weapon in the hand of the person that never should have had it in the first place right. just because, quote, you didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. Uh, or storylines that get changed because, oh, everybody sees that that's where it's going to go. Right. And there are shows where I feel, you know, maybe they went wrong or, or movies where they went wrong because they're feeling like they need to intentionally throw the the audience members. Yeah. And in doing so, ruin their own logic. Right. Uh, but what was so beautifully done with this, like you're saying, is that it took us there the whole way. Right. And, you know, we were walking a path that most of us at some point were going, okay, this makes sense. And, you know, I think it was almost perfectly timed where almost every step as I'm taking it over onto the next, you know, uh, footstone. Right. I was, oh, yeah, okay, right. Yes, that's right. That's exactly where I I need to be. That's exactly where I need to be. I I wasn't sort of jumping ahead. It It was happening just at the right speed for me to, like, right in the scene right before Angela realises the eggs. I'm like, no! Oh, the eggs. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. You know, wait thirty seconds, and yeah. we're going to convince you that yeah. or c- confirm that that's exactly what it's. In meant your to defense, be. just before that, you did yell out "spoof." <laughs> 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 but also, what a feat of writing to have you, uh, you know, to unveil all this stuff in such yeah. an outlandish. I mean, it's, it's this series is fucking nuts. Yeah. Oh like, man, it's nuts. Yeah, but there was never a moment where you were like, "Oh, come on." Right. Oh, for fuck's sake. It no. all made logical sense within this world, which yeah. is, you know, a real, a really clever... Uh, yeah. I had that as Jeremy Irons is, is get, walking onto the ship. Right. With this being the end point, and then, you know, Dr. Manhattan in this almost Faraday cage, and, and how it's all going to wrap up, and it's, you know, all his powers are then condensed into an egg, that at some point they, I feel like they must have crafted the ending... To at least be Angela gets Dr. Manhattan's powers. Right. How do we work back from that? And it must have seemed so ludicrous, as ludicrous as I'm going to create a giant squid that is going to drop into New York and it's going to zap half the population. But it makes sense the way it gets you there. It's it's the analogy I always use, and I think I've used it on on the podcast before. It's going from the black and white land of Kansas to the bright and colourful world of Oz. And if it's done the right way, you can watch, you know, if you watch that movie, just the first five minutes and the last five minutes, you go, what? These are two different films. What on earth are you talking about? Yeah. But if you watch it right through from start to finish, it makes absolute sense and and logic. Just quickly, um, before we move on from You don't have to be quick. Much, I'm here forever. I just want to make a wonderful mention of the line, she shot herself up with your legacy. Oh, yeah. By Lady True, yeah. talking about how her mother impregnated herself. Oh, man, just so the best. Be- the, what a wonderful line. That was line of the night for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I genuinely may have fallen in love with about most of the cast. <laughs> like if... Like, if Hong Chow turned up now and said, hey, Hamo, do you want to go on a date? I'd be like, yeah, yes. If Tim Blake Nelson showed up and asked for a date, I'd, I'd go on yes. a date with Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> Don't worry about that. 100%. Oh, my Lord. Um, 
That was such a great line. That was such a great line. There's so many good lines. There's not a wasted word in the whole just, series. Just, just in terms of the writing and, you know, wrapping everything up, I, you know, what, what else is great is leaving enough dangling threads that we can continue to have these conversations. So much yeah. uh, so much media or whatever you want to call it today is, you know, like, ah, oh, shit, we've got to please everyone on Reddit. We've got to, you know, tie right. all these bows. Mm-hmm. And that's why things die so quickly. You yeah. know, can you imagine if 2001 Space Odyssey was released in 2019? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. The reason people are talking about it 40 years later is because there's multiple there's, interpretations. There's room to breathe. There's room to, there's to go, room what do you reckon that think. meant? Yeah. You know, and it's beautiful. It keeps yeah. a work of art alive, yeah. you know, as, a, as opposed to just closing it down like, no, this is what the creator meant. I mean, death of the author is something that I'm very much into. I don't really care what the author intended. Right. If there's enough openness into it. No, I agree. A- a- ambiguity in art is my... Favorite thing in the whole world. We and, need it, like and I'm... it's really hard to do in the world of comedy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because comedy is about like, like you know, yeah. like the. W- anyway, I'm I'm an only child, but uh, so I'm going to make this about me. Uh, so I feel like you'll feel comfortable yeah, of course. with this. But you know, so when we I did the, the ballad, scene, of... you and I. <laughs> <laughs> when I did the ballad of John Tilde Animus, the second yeah. part of it yeah. was 45 minutes. It's 45-minute show or chapter. That's all it is. And that consistently had people walk out because it was... <laughs> it. It was designed specifically to desire, uh, to give you the feeling of purgatory. So it's the same radio station with the same person uh-huh. talking. He's always talking different things, but it's always in the same pattern. You keep hearing the same old song, which is literally the same old song playing. Yeah. He keeps getting phone calls about the same person being dead. And, you know, there's little changes within that. But, you know, but for the first 35 minutes or the 45 minutes, it is deliberately designed oh, to make that. you go, what is happening here? Yep. And then there's a solid six minutes of why Bohemian Rhapsody is a piece of shit movie. <laughs> and then it finishes <laughs> really, on an ambiguous is. note. Like, yeah. like, like, like there was designed to have a bit that would reward everyone for sitting there for uh, up to that point. Because I'm going to give you heaps of jokes. I'm going to give you heaps of jokes yeah, on yeah, yeah. a very solid topic that you can understand. And then I'm going to get back to a moment of ambiguity. And without fail, that was the one that I had the most people walk of out of. You know, of course. Because uh, people are uncomfortable sitting in any emotion other than kind of sated. Uh, right, right. It's, and, uh, it's exhausting. And this is still in the spirit of the graphic novel because one of the reasons we love the graphic novels was we're sitting there going, what do you reckon happened? Yeah. Like, what do you reckon happened? But also that this series has been so successful without having to rely on that. Right. Like if, you know, for it to be successful without it being, well, if you're a fan of, of the graphic novel, of the comics, then, you know, this is, this is the show for you. You could have no concept of really what any of the characters are. Yeah. And it was only up until maybe the midway point where my wife has never looked at a single panel from the comics was asking the question so again who's the Dr. Manhattan guy but only just like is there something I've missed along the way I reckon there's a lot of projection of people uh, like people's partners who haven't read the Mm -hmm. graphic novel or who have tried to watch it and they see stuff and they go well I don't understand what's going on that must be from the graphic novel I'm not going to watch more without realising no 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 that bit that you don't understand is going to be explained in the next episode well that's the thing she's very good at understanding I I, yeah. I will wait till the end before I pass judgment, but I'm just double checking. I'm not meant to know yet, right? There's something right. I haven't missed. This is the something that will come, correct? right? Very Doctor Manhattan in its own way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, look, I can explain what the squid thing is to you, 
when that episode happened, she was a bit qu- sound real question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I said, look, yeah, I feel like they wouldn't just literally drop that in and figuratively drop that in if they don't, you know, if they don't pay it off and explain it afterwards. Because if you were to do that, that is a really bold move to just expect everyone's going to understand it. And that's what I think they've done so very, very well. Yeah, is giving you enough to gnaw on. If you really, really wanted to, yeah. But also, if not, it's it's really pleasurable. It's weird, but also it's explained along the way. You, you know what would be interesting, and I hadn't really thought about this until you know you were saying that. I would love to hear from anyone who's watched the series who's now going to read the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. My, right, my, my my girlfriend who uh, I love her very much, but fuck, man, she cannot stay awake for uh, more than forty five minutes of them. It kills, it, it, like it breaks my heart. You know, she's never seen the Matrix. I put the Matrix on. We're just about to get to Kung Fu, and she's <laughs> like, "How do you fa- how do you fall asleep forty five minutes into the fucking Matrix, man?" I don't she, know. I, I, for someone who has not slept very well for the last five or six weeks, I'll put on the that Matrix, like mate. A real good power. <laughs> I'm loving that. <laughs> but I was watching, um, I was re-watching uh, episode one and she came in about 10 minutes into it and sat down and was transfixed. No yeah, right. no context, yep. not even knowing what episode it was, not even realising it was right. the first episode, just completely locked in. Yeah. She's not a TV person or a film person really. Yeah. But, you know, just something about that world just is very uh, captivating and, and you kind of... I think instinctively want to know more. Oh yeah, definitely. Because also, let's be honest: for anyone who has read Watchmen, uh, uh, yeah, read Watchmen, you had no clue what was going on with the Vite character to begin with. Oh, there was yeah, no confirmation sure. it even was Adrian yeah. Vite. Like even if it you was just joyous to watch. You're cutting. There's a horseshoe with the cake, and oh, yeah. there's it's the same people, but then they die and they come back. Uh, this yeah. is bizarre. You are fishing small babies out of crab yeah. pots. <laughs> Do you know how great this series is? We've completely just forgotten to mention that at one point he's riding the plane, he's being massaged while he's naked. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so much has happened in this series that that's one of those things where you have to go, oh, yeah, that happened. This was never answered, and this might come up as a squid bit later, but okay. this, was, this was never answered, was it? How he, He's in some strange time displacement in that place. I think you mentioned in a previous podcast. No, I think he gets, he gets like, he's been there each year. Yeah, yeah, but remember in the first episode, he gets handed the horseshoe. Oh, yeah, and he says, "No, not, not yet. yet. Yeah, I that, don't need this yet." That is one of the things I. That's that's we never find think, out what's going on with that, do we? Unless he like. So, that was one of my questions I was going to ask you, and so we might as well get to it now. So thanks for ruining Sorry. my script. Sorry. Sorry. I know you spent it's a, a show that I love. <laughs> anyway, live alone. Um, the it's a dynamic <laughs> interplay. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's a good time to bring it up. But the thing is, is that um, so he was trying to create, he was bored and he's trying to create a worthy adversary. How far ahead did the smartest man in the world plan his escape? Very good. So that's kind of, so I was exactly like you. I was like, so how did he know that? And and that was the uh, thought that I came to. So I you, could be wrong, but so you it, think he was getting the Crookshanks to bake the horseshoe into the cake, yeah, preempting the fact that he would need it to escape. Because from after his a year, he, one day. I think he had that first year where he ate the cake and went, "What is this awful piece of shit?" And then went, oh, "I've got to start." Oh, you know what? That satellite is going to be whizzing past. Yeah. So, oh, you know what? Might as well have some fun while we're here. 
and he created he tried to create a worthy adversary sure. and then okay. and, and, and all those scenes where he was bored was he bored or was he disappointed I can't wait to binge it like was he yeah, disappointed yeah, yeah. hang on I gave you a mask I created you to be perfect and I'm here being judged by pigs isn't it <laughs> isn't it a weird <laughs> circumstance to find yourself in as a, a series that you uh, adore yes. is coming to an end yes and you are filled with the sorrow knowing that this is probably going to be it as well. Yeah. I've been very clear that this is probably going to be all, all that we're going to see. Yeah. But how quickly you can jump from that sorrow to going, oh, great, I can't wait for this to end so I can go back and watch it all over again. Yeah. Knowing oh, yeah, what yeah, I yeah, know yeah, for sure. And see it all there in front of yeah. me. It's, I, from a writing standpoint, it must be such a brave thing to do to write the very obvious egg references. It's all oh, there yeah. the whole way through. Yeah. All this type of oh, stuff. So even the bold choice, I think I even mentioned that the the idea that uh, in the trailer you see the, the mask of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And it's in, as we find out, Dr. Manhattan's hand. Yeah. Like, when you've got so much going on and you stand by what you are putting out there to know that it will still be satisfying. Yeah. And to not be afraid to, to put it all out there for those who want to look to find right. and appreciate. And then really throw in all the little... Jazz notes between the notes oh, for them yeah. to hunt and fossick with. Yeah. And are they important? Are they not important? I don't know. You know what? You know what? The the the, the greatest achievement of this series, apart from all of it, <laughs> is that. And this is something that you and I, Rove, have talked about for a long time. And Ben, you and yeah. I have talked about for a long yeah. time. But this, the writers and the directors and everyone involved treated their audience as if they are the smartest person in the room. And they never taught down to them. They gave them everything at a certain level. And in the process, you rose to it. You didn't, you didn't, like, I didn't watch, like, I've joked about how after I said, I'm going to do this recap. Love Lindelof. Love Watchmen. you got Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross on board. I have complete faith in this off the back of The Leftovers. And I've joked about how after the first five minutes, I had to be on a heart bum machine when I had to do an hour's research on Tulsa, Will Reeves and the inversion of the, you know, like, the, yeah. and then when I realised, oh my God, this is like an inversion of the Superman, Superman mythology. Myth, yeah. But yeah. the fact remains, I am exhausted and I have had the best nine weeks and I have <laughs> loved it. I've loved that I can't watch an episode and just go, oh yeah, these are my thoughts and then walk out into the street and say, oh look, a, a bird and yeah. not have any other thought. I have had to sit here and think. You know what it's reminded me of? Mm. It's reminded me of uh, when I was in my 20s and you'd catch up with your friends. My, my friends and I, we used to have Monday nights where they'd come over, we'd watch Friends, we'd watch Mad About You and we'd play video games and get uh, order food in. It's been nice to catch up with people. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah, yeah, fun yeah. to discuss yep. things yep. with Which people. Which is something that's lost in the streaming age. Oh, It's can be completely lost. You know, this is, I mean, we've talked about this. This is what yes. I loved about Twin Peaks Season 3. It was the first time in maybe 15 years that me and my friends would gather and when that... F- Theme music started and the yeah. opening credits started. There was a ripple through the room of like, oh, here we go. We oh, don't yeah. know what the fuck's going to happen. It's like, when was the last time that happened? You know, maybe the late 90s. But, but that's what I think has been done so beautifully with this. It's, right. It is that week to week you get to digest. And I think the problem that can come from streaming something yeah. is that even in the moment you are watching it, you don't bother to digest it. No. You don't bother to look for... Yeah. Anything that might be high. You don't look for, is this egg reference important? Who right. was Will Reeves? Because your brain goes, 
I'll find out in the next episode. Right. Who, who is who is this character that's in this weird manor house with what could be clones right. and a cake with a horseshoe? Right. Don't stop to think about it. Don't theorise. Don't hypothesise because, well, I'll just even skip the end credits to jump and the opening oh, credits yeah. of the next episode so, to get So, you know what? It. That's the most insidious part of modern storytelling is the button that comes up at the end of an episode yeah. that says... Skip credits. Skip credits. Yeah. Like, whoever invented that, you're an arsehole. <laughs> and I mean that in capital letters in Helvetica font. Like, it is... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because, you know... it. Like, one of the great things is just sitting there. But just, like, you know what? When you guys finished the episode tonight, I just walked off and started setting up everything for the podcast because you guys were just like, well, that was I've great. You, you tapped. A minute. You need a minute to yes. sit. And, you know, me and my buddy never leave the cinema when the... Cr- you, know, you, know, you know when you can hear people getting up just as it goes to black? And it's like, yes. no, 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 no. Let's sit and just feel what we felt. Yes. I've, I've been out walking my dog and sent you a text message, Hammer, <laughs> or even one to my wife going, I just thought of this and I need it on record that I thought of this oh, yeah. before yeah. the next episode yeah. comes around or you mentioned it on the podcast or yeah. something. I had this independent thought that is exactly the same thought you have, Yeah, but I need to do it now. I just thought of this now. I want it logged with yeah. a time code. Yeah. Because it's in my head. It's percolating. I love when you were talking about the fact that you had a gig and in the back of your mind. Oh, yeah. You're thinking about it on stage. Mate, I was, uh, I was at a gig and I was... Working out stuff while I was performing. Now that might not say that I'm present, but what I'm trying to say is maybe I should eat the egg and go full Doctor Manhattan. And one other thing I just I just want to add here is that whether you're right or wrong, right? Whether you think that the egg means something, yeah. whether you think that maybe there is what is this character sitting in this manor house? Who is he? What is he doing there? If you have your own thoughts on it, and you're wrong, yeah doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Because what it's got you doing is flexing and exercising that part, that creative part of your brain right. that has you thinking about what it could be. Right. And if and maybe you're wrong, but geez, what was your idea? Because maybe that's brilliant and you should write that down for something. Yeah, completely. But, I agree with all of this. The, isn't this the point of art? I, isn't it supposed to... You it's know, meant to engage. Yeah, it's, I, aren't you supposed to feel that little... Like that fizz in your brain, and the way yes. our media landscape is is constructed now, it's just next, 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 next. Get through it, blow through everything, and it's this. Like I was saying to you, Rove, earlier, that you know, no, no kid growing up today will ever know anything as well as we know a single issue of Watchmen or right. a single episode of The Simpsons. Right, and and I'm not to say, and I'm not to say, oh, it was better when you just had fucking three channels and you could just watch the same thing over and over. There is benefit to having infinite content, but right. infinite content is also just this. It, 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 I, f- I hear people talking about watching things now, and it's like a burden. It's right. a chore. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got a, oh, man, I've never oh. seen The Wire, and everyone says The Wire's really good, but it's 50 hours. And I don't know when I'm going to, you know, I've got I've to watch Arrow. Oh, like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Even, the, even the phrase uh, catch up is used nowadays. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You, go, you know, you can catch up on stuff, which is what you say when someone's lagging behind. It's catch, right. you, you are behind. Catch up. Yeah, it's a negative. D- it's got a negative connotation. I, I try not to be too full on with people. If you say, "Have you seen the wire?" and they haven't seen the wire, you say, and the, and people are now their immediate reaction is, "Oh no, yeah, I know, I should." And it's like my reaction is always just to diffuse the situation. And go, nah, man. You know what that means? Somewhere in the future. <laughs> You can watch The Wire. And also, it's just a TV show. You don't have to. You don't it's have to watch fine. it. fine. Everyone like, should watch Watchmen. But uh, yeah. anyway. 
<laughs> well, it's only nine episodes. It's anyway, the easy. best thing is is that we are an hour and ten minutes into this uh, podcast. It's the, final I, it's, the final, uh, it's the finale. I haven't done the introduction yet, and we are at question four of 629. It's a bumper Christmas issue. Yeah, yeah well, like, <laughs> to everyone listening. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't want to overreact. Or, actually, I should point out, uh, or even yeah, Ben Honecker, because we were. Uh, oh yeah, we were today. Oh, sorry, Ben. Today uh, is is my daughter's birthday as we record this, and we were out with some, some oh, her yeah. friends today. Yeah. and she's got one of her her new play things. Yeah, and all of her friends were marmling at it. We call and, her Gary, and they said, <laughs> and they said, uh, oh, I want one of these too. I want one of these too. And I said, well, you can put it on your Christmas list. How about that? There's still yeah. time. Until one of her friends put up a hand. And said, "I'm Jewish." Oh, really? And I thought that's a fair call. Yeah, shame on me. No, but I, I will accept that. You weren't expecting it, not in Australia. I, I, I no, that's <laughs> true. That is very true. <laughs> um, did uh, has Rob told you Ben that um, <laughs> his daughter, his daughter, who I like, I love her so much, and she's so smart. She used air quotes on him recently, and, and and correctly, oh. and that was the bit that upset me. Oh. I was like, is there anything oh. worse than having your legs cut out by a child? It's just well, and it was and it was uh, using the phrase. I know you're, and then the air quotes went up, trying to be funny. <laughs> But this is but this is serious. Yeah. Oh man, she is a cracker. I once, I, I can't remember who it was. I, I think I think it was like the lead singer of Slayer or something. Some guy that everyone worships, and he was getting his you know Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he's got there's a picture of him like ah, doing oh, like yeah. his tongue sticking out, doing the devil horns, and his yeah. daughter's just standing next to him with her eyes rolling, just yeah. like oh uh, dad, dad's <laughs> being satanic rocker again. <laughs> doesn't matter how cool you are. It doesn't matter how many accolades yeah. you have. You're never going to be cool if you've had to tell someone to go to their room. <laughs> um, and if you don't tell them to go to their room, you've been a bad parent. Uh, so, question four. <laughs> uh, the Watchman world is often seen as a cynical world, a dark world, but as Laurie states divide, the world often seems on the verge of ending, but it mm. never does. Is there a sense of genuine optimism in this TV series compared to the graphic novel? What do you reckon? 100%. Yeah, I think so too. 100%. Yeah, I think so too. And and despite what you what is put forward, which is you know there is still division. Yeah. Uh, you know, race is a big issue. There was even a line about, uh, you know, you took our guns. Yeah. You make us say sorry for the colour of our skin. Over and you make over us, you again. You make us have to apologise for people who died generations ago. Yeah. Uh, that is arguments that are still you know that are that are made in this very real world of ours. Yeah. And it can have a very bleak outlook, but. Yeah, I think it just it, it even still came in right from the get go, like you're saying in those first few minutes, which is just a catastrophic opening of a real piece of history that has been, uh, in every sense of the word, whitewashed. Mm. That you could sit there going, "Oh, okay, I better strap myself in for a very bleak dystopia here." Yeah, but then the whole by the time we get to that opening scene it there's an air of positivity how how this character has touched this small child and he since he's now going out into the world and and what is he going to be and then we see who Angela is as well and all of a sudden right. you realize oh no you're showing us scorched earth yeah. and the green shoots that are that are popping up that can show you what the yeah. future still can be oh yeah no i yeah that's a great metaphor that's really good yeah i i agree totally i was um i like i have to be honest with you after the last episode which i like i've loved every episode uh but 
I was bummed out. I, like I, when I was talking to mum straight after uh, the episode last week, because my mum's cool. Uh, mum is very and, cool. Andrea nailing it. Yep. Uh, yep. She, um, I was my first words to her were, "Man, I'm really bummed out because, like, John was always my favourite character in the graphic novel, and I was always drawn to him because there was a, uh, an air of tragedy." Mm regardless of whether he did right or wrong mm. in a situation and that the idea that he could see everything but was trapped to play it out anyway, but also the mild indifference to it because it was just what happened, so why would you be emotional about it? Uh, t- to see that moment where like they give you the hero moment where Angela goes out, she's taken out all of those racist assholes, and then he finally appears and is just... Boom, heads exploding. Boom, yeah. heads exploding. And and then, you know, when she's like, oh, well, maybe you were wrong. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry about this. But And then gets well, taken out. Always right. Like you're sitting there and you're going, well, this is how the story had to play out because you told me this is how the story had to play out. Yeah. And if he, can see, if he can see the strings, that means he's read the script. And so this is what had to happen. I was really bummed out about it and I didn't quite... Like, going into this episode, there was something that both of you did really interestingly about five to seven minutes apart from each other where both of you moved forward. Uh, <laughs> and I saw it in my periphery. And Ben was sitting on the floor and you you put your feet and you scrunched yourself up a little bit closer. And then Rove went from sitting with his back on the on the lounge and just moved forward <laughs> and uh, i noticed and at that point i went well this is going to be a good podcast and we're in and yeah you know because it draws you in because even though you can see things playing out how they told you they were going to play yeah. out you still didn't know like like from the moment that we saw the seventh cavalry in the adverts we were like well these are the big enemies mm-hmm. but what i love is that it turns out you know what you guys were awful and you had a conspiracy, but in the grand scheme of things, you were schmucks. Yeah, you were cogs. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, I suspected it, but, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. James Walt, you know, in his Dr. Manhattan pants, sprouting all this, saying all this awful racist stuff towards Angela and the, th- and the shit that he's spouting. And Real looking, old and, white stuff. But genuinely, <laughs> just what a magnificent image of, yeah, 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 by yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. handsome man. In good shape, but looking ridiculous in the Dr. Manhattan pants just undermined all of that. <laughs> you can't help but think, when when did you put those on? Was, yes. it, day, was it that morning? Yeah. Because it nah, seemed like tried they, they zapped Manhattan yeah. sooner than they expected, but the plan was, you know, rolling out. Yeah. Did you have it on, you know, maybe a three or four days out just in case? You don't want to be yeah. caught doing this big moment of strip. And the fact that nobody at any point in that audience in front of him is like, whoa, what are you doing? Because <laughs> at some point, you know, he's just shirtless. And like, is it? Sorry, question from up the back. Yeah. Is this going somewhere? Yes. <laughs> I feel like he, can you do it with your shirt on? I feel like he's been cosplaying as Dr. Manhattan for months in front of the uh, mirror. Yeah, no, you know what? There's, uh, this is season two. Uh, it alternates back and forth in a different timeline between Senator Keane trying on different versions of the underwear and and, and, blue paint. and then also checking out, uh, do, do I look fat in these? <laughs> so, but also Laurie's great line of, he looked better in them than you. Oh, yeah, mate. She was just... 
but but um, uh, to your point about the optimism or the uh, yeah. of the, uh, of the ending right. versus the the ambiguity maybe or the the weird apocalyptic kind of tinge of the of the of the graphic novel, right? You know, if you if if you compare the last shot of the series with the last panel of the book, right? The last panel of the book is you know we've had this lead up, this ca- catastrophe, yeah. millions of people are dead, and and it's really heavily suggested in that last panel that all of this was for nothing and it's yes. all going to be undone. Yeah. Um. You know we don't know how this diary is going to be interpreted, but there's a good chance that it's going to completely destabilize this thing and the news yeah. are going to be flying months from now. So it's quite a um cynical cynical or you know whatever you want to call it ending whereas this is the literal ascension of you know black jesus walking on water like i can't think of a more binary opposite yeah you know tone of an ending yeah no i i totally agree and the uh you know even in the ending if you think that's not going to unravel through rorschach's journal the ending is still everyone is keeping an awful secret. They're all complicit in this just heinous, yeah. this heinous act. Yeah. 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 Um, in the end, Will tells Angela, you can't heal under a mask, Angela. Wounds need air. Earlier, we had Keen complain that they had to keep saying sorry over and over again for history. Is the legacy of this show that to move forward in society, we have to acknowledge the past so we can grow correctly? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, uh, I can say as Australians, that's a big problem we have in this yeah. country. You know, we had the uh, Uluru Statement from the Heart, which right. was our Indigenous population trying to get what is essentially a treaty with our, our current government to acknowledge what has happened in the past. Yeah. And, and it was not accepted. Yeah. And, you know, you've seen it in countries like New Zealand. Uh, you know, and then you realise, well, in the States, they have a history as well. And... and you, you feel that it is acknowledged in the States far more than we have here in Australia. You know, you, you see so many films, uh, stories that, that tell the history of slavery uh, and, and racism, and they do acknowledge, oh, yeah, you know, the KKK was a very real thing and in many cases still is, and we're not proud of that. But, but here it is. It's part of who we are, and you can't, you can't move forward if you don't acknowledge the past and, and what's happening now. Yeah. And yet I would say, well, as Australians, we haven't really done that. No. But then you realise, well, as, as Lindelof was saying, when he realised that the, the Tulsa bombings had happened. Right. Oh, we haven't really done that yeah. as Americans. And part of this series is right from the get-go, throw down. Here's a, something that you think is one of the, oh, the Americans won the Vietnam War. This is yeah. the alternate reality where this horrible thing happened, yeah. uh, and and that's the, the origin story. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This character, and for those who choose to, and most people probably will, or if not, you'll find out afterwards. No, it was a real thing that happened. I had no idea it was real. Yeah, neither did I. And now it has been acknowledged. Yeah. And I think that, more than anything, is is a massive takeaway for this. And then yeah. all the little elements along the way of of uh, even just, you know, last character standing is Angela. Right. And, and what right, that literally signifies. literally on water. Yeah, is, is, is massive. It's massive. Yeah. But what, what, what does it say about the, you know, the collective median age of a nation that cannot look at its past and say, oh, you know what? That was a bit fucked. Like, that's... That's like a, a society that's stuck in adolescence. Yeah. You know, it's when you're an adult, you can look back on your past and go, oh, you know what? I was a bit of a shithead in year 11 to those people. And yeah, I'm always, if I accept that, I'm always I can... five years ahead. So, <laughs> when, so when I was 30, I looked back at 25 to 30 and I went, oh, what a... Oh, no, sorry. It was 20 to 25. I thought, what a dickhead. Once I got to 35, I looked back to 20 to 25. Ah, oh, yeah, he's all right. Just working it out. But 25 to 30... What a dickhead. <laughs> but like, but that's good. But of course, you but should. like, how do you how, how do you how evolve do you unless you look back on yourself yes. and go, oh, you know what? I need to amend this behavior and yes. that behavior, and that works. Yeah. But you know, that's that's a good part of me. But I, you know, these other things. And if collectively as a culture and a society you can't do that, and it's this thing, don't make me feel bad about shit that I had nothing to do with. It. It's like, well, you might have had nothing to do with it, but you benefited from it. But it's okay. And so, but it's also not a bad thing to feel bad about. Of what course. That, People had a bad time. I can feel bad but about that, something that I, would happen on the other side of the planet that I had nothing to do with. I'm it doesn't mean that I take feeling bad. Of course, about everything. Of course, except for my love of this TV series, <laughs> and I was right all along. It just all in case anyone back forgot, to the Watchmen, <laughs> mate. Just, uh, I hadn't said it for twenty minutes, so I just wanted to reiterate. But even, but, but even for it to open discussion, yes, you know, and, of and course. for it to be done with, it's the weird uh, caped. Adventurers show yeah. with uh, a, a guy who was trapped on a moon on Jupiter, yeah. who created a, a weird telepathic squid bomb. Yeah, uh, is is the show to do that? You yeah. never would have expected it, but here we are. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because everyone talks a lot about how you know superheroes are having a moment in the in the twenty first century because God is dead and we have no religion and we need yes. myth and we need all these right. things to and and I feel like this is the first of the things that's actually talking. Creating a mythology that we need, yeah, not just like bad good guy punch bad guy, good guy win. That's actually introducing some moral complexity and some yeah. some some like real. This is I can't think of another series that's come out recently that's tackling race issues. This you know, full oh, yeah. And would you say like, and not in a preachy way? It doesn't. Oh, fi- and, no. and for those who would say, well, it is. It's shoving it down my throat, like you say, Hamo, are the ones who. Y- you're getting it wrong anyway. Yeah. To me, I, I use the school gu- schoolyard rules of it's someone else's turn on the swing. Like that's yeah. all it is. Like you just sit there going, you know, yeah. well, you know, what, what I want to see a show that's got, you know, three black leads in it. And then one of them's a, a chick and she's yeah. the hero at the end. Why not? Yeah. Like, why not? Many, you, you've, you've seen the white guy do it enough. Yeah. Someone else's turn. That's it. That's it. That's yeah, all that, it needs uh, to be. I, I had someone say to me um, when I was talking, so when Black Panther dropped, I think I may have said this on a previous podcast, but when Black Panther dropped, I, I, I uh, 
I'd heard a podcast, I can't remember who it was with, which is frustrating, but a year before, I'd heard a podcast with this guy who was talking about Kevin Hart and Jerry Seinfeld being on tour at the same time, and Seinfeld was just packing mm. out four and 5,000 seaters, and the, and the headlines in America were, when is Kevin Hart going to cross over? But Kevin Hart was performing to fifteen and 20,000 people Stadiums. in an arena, and it should have been, yeah, yeah. when's Seinfeld going to cross over? Yeah. And I read that, and I was like, oh, yeah, of course. That was such a, uh, a mind-blowing thought to me. And then uh, I'd followed uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, who I wish was my son, from The Wire to Friday Night Lights to Chronicle to Fruit Station. No matter Fruitvale how much Station. he breaks your heart. Oh, he you breaks cry. my heart, mate. <laughs> when he looks at Sylvester Stallone in, uh, or Rocky in Creed and uh, Rocky says to him, you know, I've, uh, you know you've, like, I've got to throw in the towel. I can't do this. And he says, nah, you can't. And he, and he <laughs> says, why? And he looks, Adonis, Donnie looks at fucking Rocky and he says, man, I've got to prove I'm not a mistake. Oh, I God. just went. I've well, you know, the movie, what? and I'm about to cry, mate. I, I don't. <laughs> I could like. I just went. Well, I, like, I wish you were my son, and I would be proud. I'd be so proud if you were my son. Anyway, one of the greatest moments in t- in, in movie history <laughs> in the last few either. years, and I'm going to fight anyone who disagrees with me on this TV series and the moment when Michael B. Jordan says that to Sylvester Stallone. Anyway, but it's. Um, but I'd followed those guys mm. and I'd read this article. So then when Black Panther hit, and I remember you and I went and saw it, mm. and Rove and I were working on a TV show called Show Me the Movie, which we didn't. And I remember <laughs> sitting there with Rove and I said to him, like, we were raving about it. And then we turned around to the people that we were with from the show and they were like, oh, I just didn't see anything that special about it. It's like, it, like what? Like, it's the whole movie. Yeah. The whole movie's special. I, I had another friend later on say to me, oh, should I just like it because it's like really good for African-Americans? And I was like, well, why not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 like yeah. Even, even if you didn't get all the other stuff that was amazing, why not? Why well, not it's, just it's, enjoy see, that's, it for It's that. interesting you say it like that because I, you know, I mean, I, like, I'm not a huge fan of the Marvel movies and to me Black Panther was another Marvel movie so I didn't walk out of there electrified. Yeah. And then I went to my, a, a dear friend of mine, Andy, who's 80 years old, African-American lady. And right. And she talked about it and was literally, you know, choked up talking about it. Just like I never imagined mm-hmm. that I would see and all of a sudden it was that realisation for me of like, it didn't need to be the greatest movie. It just needed to be a movie, a mainstream yeah. Marvel superhero movie with an all-black cast, and that's what mattered. Mate. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I, you know, it, it, it's very the, important. The, 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 the CGI ending is always Rough. disappointing, but the fact is uh, that movie doesn't end with CGI ending. Uh, it ends with... Michael B. Jordan giving that speech yeah. about he'd rather die than be a slave and, yeah. and you know, in in chains rolling off the ships yeah. and you go, this is a bullshit mainstream Marvel movie and yeah. you have just dropped that fucking bomb. Yeah. Like, that is yeah, a yeah, cracking yeah, yeah, yeah. moment. Anyway. Uh, and that's like, that's how my mum felt about Watchmen. Like, Here's this poor woman that has had to fucking read comics when she did not want to read comics just so she had something to talk about with her only son. Right. And she... My mum never did that. My mum wouldn't even watch the fucking Simpsons. Oh, man. Do you realise how relieved my mum was when she read Swamp Thing? I said, oh, no, I read this. So like, imagine good. me trying to sell that to my mum. Oh, no, it's amazing. It's this real piece of literature about this guy who died in a swamp and then this he became a Swamp Thing, but it turned out it was the plants who just had a memory of being a human. And my poor mum who had no interest, just went, 
Yeah, no, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll read an issue. And then she read them all, and then she read Watchmen and everything, and then she gets this TV series where she's sitting there going, oh, I'm represented by Jean Smart. Mm. You know, yeah. you know. at one time, you know, the humour of Lady True is my mum's yeah. humour, you know. Uh, like, my mum would love to break three fingers on a 7th Cavalry member to get some information, and that would trust probably be, when is my Coles delivery going to turn up? <laughs> anyway. Um, was fight right to stop Lady True? So, yes, I know she killed Dr. Manhattan, and so that is a very bad person thing to do, but was she going to use the power irresponsibly? And was is, is there a possibility in this mainly optimistic, positive ending in many ways that fight was just a typical white man who was a bit jealous because he hadn't thought of the plan himself? <laughs> oh, I... Yeah, I absolutely think it's the latter. Yeah. You know, to have someone come in, come in and saying, you know, no, I, I am the smartest person now. Yeah. And isn't this plan of yours... Now, I'm the smartest woman in the world yeah. and you're just a man. Yeah. yeah. And, is, and isn't this what you're doing now just a rerun? Isn't this yeah. derivative? Yeah. Uh, I think would be very crushing for someone like him. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And he's not the type of man to take that well. So, do you think she would have done... What What do you reckon she would have done? Do you think she would have actually tried to do some good or... I think it goes back to that thing we were talking about earlier of, like, I, I don't think you can say one way or the other because I think your perspective would change so drastically that yeah. what is good and what is bad yeah. have become completely alien concepts when right. you have God perspective. Would she have potentially, you know, his powers are in some ways really defined and ill-defined, mm. which is kind of what that ambiguity really adds to the character. But maybe there would have been some real disruption. There's it, a, well, you think she's wanting to hold on to her mum? Yes. By cloning her. And in yeah. a, quick, a quick nod, as you've already mentioned, with the glasses. Oh, yeah. Like how, again, hiding in plain sight, an 80s pair of glasses, yeah. which now is very commonplace hipster retro. Yeah, yeah cool to wear didn't stand out as a why is that young girl wearing 80s glasses yeah so yeah look the fact that she that was an important thing to her yeah says to me that she would then be i say using her powers but it's i i, I don't know that you you also have control over those powers that yeah. you have. Yeah. There's, the, there's a great moment uh, in All-Star Superman oh, uh, where Luther... You know Luther, what? I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. Where Luther gets Superman's powers and he spends the first five minutes just fucking lasering everything yeah. and smashing everything and then all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, I see the super string that holds everything together. Of yeah. course he's... Saves everyone. He doesn't have a choice because he realizes we're all in this together yeah. and starts weeping with, yeah. you know, revelation and joy. So to say that you would apply some kind of human morality to these powers, I don't, th- you would not resemble yourself once you gained that thing. That, and that goes back to the question of like, would you take it? Yeah. Would you drink that power and would yeah. you take that on? Because you would not resemble yourself after. And God would hope that you have a uh, pure heart. And that you're yeah. not some psychopath because, you know, like, you know, had, um, had, uh, uh Vite, not Vite, uh, the Senator. Oh, yeah, Keen. Keen. Had Senator Keen taken that potion, I mean, you know, everything suggests that he was a very evil, awful person. Yeah. You know, I think he would have been, you know, some awful, you know, Satan god on earth. Well, again, it sort of leads to the question of do you just balance out regardless? Right. Like, good or evil? Yeah. Like, do you just sit there looking at everything going, well, there's nothing I can do? Yeah, I see all the all the the stuff I would 
like to change, like whether we win that war, whether that Hitler guy does well, whether this person gets oppressed, uh, or you, you look at it as, you know, oh, look at all the good that's happening. Right. But either way, I think you just sit there and your spirit level just balances out as like, well, there's as much of everything that I want as much as there is all the stuff I don't want, and just so be it. But also remember in the graphic novel, it takes a while for John to actually become distanced from humanity. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there is a bit more of you to wreak some havoc before you do get to that level. Like you can napalm a country. Yeah, before you <laughs> napalm a country, yeah, right. But well, I mean, you and I talked about this in a I think in the podcast about the when they're on Mars, Laurie and John are on Mars together. You yeah. know, this idea that you can just change things for the better. Well, you have no idea what the consequence are, is. And we talked about this, you know, this idea of like would you if you could travel back in time, would you kill baby Hitler? And people say yes, but when they say yes, what they don't realise is they're dooming everyone who is alive today to non-existence. Because mm-hmm. right. none of us would exist had right. the Second World War never happened. So there's these constant cost-benefit analysis that you would have to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, it would be crazy-making. I, 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 I empathise with that need to just go, fuck this, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah. it's just, you know, it's... Well, if anything, you're fortunate that all it does is make you to be some kind of stoic being that just sits aloft and and watches it all play out as opposed to someone who just literally goes insane from from just watching it all happen instantaneously and then experiencing it over and over and over again yeah yeah like, if anything like that's it yeah. i would sit there going like, I, I don't know that i could handle it yeah and you, you're trapped in it it would be yeah. terrible Imagine every shit gig you've ever done and you're living it. Well, at the moment you're having the best gig of your life, the worst gig you ever did is happening at the same time across the state. But at the, at the same time you're having a bad gig, you're also having your best gig. This is why you need those powers. Yeah. Eat that egg. Yeah, I'll eat that egg. <laughs> hey, uh, I, uh, who wants a break? Do you want a break? Yeah. So we've had a little break and uh, Rove has said that he has a family that he has to get back to because it's been seven days. Family? <laughs> and Ben remembered that he had his they're, girlfriend uh, and then... They're currently gestating in a large lake. Yeah. <laughs> and then I pointed out that I have nobody and if you leave me, I'll be so sad because I won't know who to keep talking about. How hey much man, I want this series you can just to... watch Watchmen again. I will too. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll get through these questions quickly because I want to watch it again. Uh Oh, that's I, what I love about it. Yeah, I will. Um, <laughs> so do modern day superhero stories in other mediums learn from this series good lessons or are we in for decades of bad stories just as the graphic novel was seen as the inspiration for dark comics? Remember remember, mm. everyone read Watchmen and went, oh yeah, we have to make every character really dark and you go, no, nah, I think you missed the point to I think with the, this whole series. I think with the, the message of this being ultimately optimistic, that yeah. if, if a lesson is learnt from it, you know, it'll be at least a positive one. It won't yeah. be, you know, decades of nihilism. Yeah, and just that, you know, I, I, I'm not 100% sure how um, it's, I know, critically, yeah. it would be going well, but just, I don't know how numbers-wise it goes, like whether it's seen as being a, a commercial success. Right. Um, yeah, so whether been. yeah, how how much that would dictate what you know, other films would do, but I would like to think that someone would take a, a leaf out of it because I think you're yeah. right. There's you know, even the line of um, uh, when they they took the Ozymandias, um suit, yeah, off off uh, Vite <laughs> and then yeah. said, "Oh, you should wear this. It's something a bit more appropriate for a man your age." Yeah. <laughs> Kind of had me that feeling, like uh, in um, uh, Alan Moore's Dark Knight Returns. 
that oh sorry not Frank Miller Frank Miller, Frank yeah. Miller. that yeah. you know just how um, <laughs> you know when Batman is like you like that to me was yeah. that idea of oh yeah you don't think about these characters aging yeah. that uh, had always is one of those things that's always stuck with me since then that yeah. idea of like yeah what, an old man still getting about running around in one of these costumes yeah it's already bad enough that when you try to see them depicted in real life. Uh, they they ne- they very rarely come off looking yeah. any good, and in the modern world we have worked out when you look at the any of the original films for any superhero shows or television shows like the original Spider Man and the Flash, yeah. like they just tried to cut and paste the suit from the comic book, not realizing it doesn't no, transcend. It's a different physics, it, and you know? just the person wearing it yeah. is an actual human being, <laughs> yeah, and not yeah. a weird disproportionate comic book character. Yeah. So that uh, yeah, I think that there is there is a something that had that will be gained from this that hopefully you know I would love to see played out a bit more. Like, it doesn't have to be the whole way through like this was, but just to no. have those little nods like you mentioned Black Panther had earlier. The, the, the sophistication in the storytelling, just just learn something from that. You know, yeah. like emulate that. You know, you don't have to emulate uh, this type of story, but emulate the storytelling. And well, it'd it goes be fantastic. back to that thing you were saying, you know, like if you if you treat the audience with uh, intelligence, they step up. You know, there's Without a doubt. This, there's always been this question of like, oh, you know, are audiences dumb or are we just catering to them? And it's like, oh, I think they're dumb because you treat them dumb. Yeah, well, I you agree. Give them something to kind of ruminate on. This People is... step up. Maybe not all, but, you know, there's no, a, enough. No, no, no. But, but you like, know, oh, look, these uh, starving people love McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Because well, yeah, if that's all you're giving them to eat, yeah. of course they love McDonald's. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And it's uh, it's been an ongoing argument for a number of years with uh, commercial producers, which will say, I don't get it, which is uh, code for, you know, I'm not funny. Yeah. And people are funny. And yeah. people out there are smart. And sometimes you might not get it, but how good is it when you're hanging out with a friend who says... Oh yeah, did you know the Tulsa riot really happened? Yeah, and they yeah, say, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's how the boat rises. But even if you don't you know get something, it's like, you know, there's so it's many okay. like the, the, I don't know if you guys have seen the film Under the Skin, the Scarlet Johansson. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the first you should watch this film. It is fucking something else. Uh the first oh, time yes, I saw super it, I hated it. It was just what is this? But it just, it was like an earworm. I could not stop thinking about it. And it was unsettling and it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And when I revisit, you know what I mean? And it, it, I didn't need to get it. I didn't need to understand it. Yeah. I watched it and for some reason or other, the aesthetic, it stuck with me. And it inspired, you know, a line of thought and it inspired me to reinvestigate. And when right. I reinvestigated, it was like, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. But this is like so new. That of course I rebelled against it the first time I saw it because it was incongruent with anything yeah. that I was used to. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't recognise it, so it must be wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that's not right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I didn't mean to be that clever with my wording. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know who showed me that movie? Mm. My mum. Oh, no, nice work, Andrea. Fucking I just rad. said that to hurt you then. <laughs> I knew that was going to ruin you. If I showed my mum under the skin, her head would explode. Oh, no, my mum was like, "Uh, you know what, I've never been that big a fan of Scarlett Johansson. I know you have. Have you seen Under the Skin? I said, no, I didn't get an opportunity to see it. She said, I've saved it for you. I've I've got it at home. Went home, watched it. Uh, Good times with uh, mum. Um, what do you think happens when Vite is taken back to answer for his crimes? Good idea. You know, it's one of the many things 
afterwards, right? I yeah. just like the fact that he just assumed he was just going to walk away. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, you're, you're just joking. Because I, yeah. you know, I think that was, even even for myself at the point, we kind of got to that uh, you know, as everything's wrapping up. I had never considered, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's all, all of that yeah. that now he, he should be held accountable for. Yeah. And, I, and I love that. I think it's great. Do you think there was a comment on white male privilege, you know, in, in keeping with the series, you know, in, in talking about a lot oh, of these yeah. issues? Just this yeah. kind of like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I killed three million people. So what? Like, uh, I'm just going to go out to my life. That's very much his character, though. I, think yeah. it, I just like the fact that it's like, no, we're keeping tabs of, on this, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the redemption arc doesn't come around that quickly for him. <laughs> like, and it's such a great moment with the way the music kicks in. War will happen and then just gets taken out. Anyway, that's a very funny moment. But also, I mean, I think he has to, an- you know, just in terms of the viewer of this series, yeah. he needs to answer for his behaviour over the last nine episodes. He's been a genocidal maniac. Maybe he's killed like yeah. like like stacks of heaps of yeah. uh people who were there to love him. Yeah. And so if he's not made to be answer, to to answer for those crimes within right. the series, he needs to be answer for, answering for something. It makes all that comedy ring uh hollow. Yeah. 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 Uh I, I know I've kind of asked this already, but I had this a little bit later down. How great is Michael B. Jordan? How great is How great Regina King? I'm gonna change my name to Michael B. Justin and uh <laughs> I would totally date Regina King. Like, she is something else. Um, She, like, have you seen If Bill Street Could Talk? Oh, my God. Oh, her performance in that is unbelievable. (laughs) And the soundtrack is exquisite. And that is uh, a piece of art. Anyway, whatevs. No big oops. Um, So, this is a question that I was going to ask earlier, and I forgot to put uh, cut and paste this. Uh, What do you think Lady True had intended once she had the powers of Dr. Manhattan? What do you think she was? What was going to be the first thing that Lady True was going to do? Well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, did she explain? Because uh, normally I'd be coming into this having watched it twice, but when she was talking to Vite, did she yeah. say? Did she actually say, "Here's what my plan was," other than I'm going to take Manhattan? Well, at, at one point she's like, you know, he could clean the air, he could fix, That's you right. know, like, and and so in in many ways she's criticize uh, criticizing him for not doing enough with his stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me wonder. So is she altruistic? Does she be? Does she no, get the powers of Doctor Manhattan? Strike me as that type of character. She would have motivations for it that that. Uh, even if it's to make the world the better place, right? It's so that she gets the credit for it. She, oh is, yeah, but she is her father's daughter. But also mm-hmm. a better place. What's a better place? Does she By immediately standards? free yeah, yeah. Vietnam? Mm-hmm. And again, it 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 it, it uh, opens up all these unintended consequences. Like mm. we were saying with the you know the baby Hitler thing. It's like, well, you know, yeah, you bring water and 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 greenery to the Sahara, but what is the cane toad effect of that? Yeah, you know you like you know we all have the you know I have my you know when I when I fall asleep at night like what's the three things that if I could change would I change with a click of my fingers yeah you know, I'd get rid of the industrialized meat industry I'd you know stop the expansion into rainforests and beaches yeah. but you know stop what chocolate are the- from being fattening <laughs> that'd be my three things without a doubt look maybe that was on her list we don't know yeah, if we that don't was know on her list we don't know Lady Trues like, that would be great. She had a list. <laughs> it's so easy to have these high-minded plans, but we as mere mortals cannot even fathom the unintended consequences of these things. Oh, you yeah. can't help but think, look, it's the helicopter parenting idea of you've got to let them fall yeah. to let them get up, back up again. And I think no matter what her intent was, even if it's, well, I want everyone to yeah live a, a cleaner lifestyle, 
Well, not if you've done it with a click of your fingers. Yeah. And the, and then the the people have learned nothing from it because then they'll just keep they'll just go, oh great, thanks for making it a better place for us to destroy again. Yeah. Uh, because it's back to where it was for you know now now the clock's not ticking so much. Yeah, we, can, yeah. we can send that doomsday clock backwards. It's like if you cure cancer, do people live better or do they just smoke more cones? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Well, you definitely smoke more cones. More cones. Uh, yeah, yeah. Simple. <laughs> like one of the easiest questions we've had on this uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, one of the criticisms of the comic is the alien squid plan that the smartest man in the world comes up with that this would be his master plan. Yet Lady True loves it. Because she sees it as so inherently dumb that nobody would ever believe someone so smart would carry it out. I'm curious to know what you guys think. Is this what more Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons intended? Or is this the writers of the TV series coming up with a defense for the art that oh, they love? Do you know that's what I mean? A good question. You know? I've always interpreted the squid in Watchmen as a riff on. Did yes. you ever hear the story about when uh, Steven Spielberg screened E.T. at the White House for Ronald Reagan? No. Have you heard this story? Oh, God. It sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah. Can so you... apparently Reagan leaned over to Spielberg at one point and goes, This is more true than you know. Oh, yeah. And yes, then made yes. some. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. whacked out. He probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He was probably already he, losing it a little he, bit. Then he pointed to his wife, <laughs> yeah. Nancy. And yeah. In a defence, she just burnt it. It was, it was really sore. But he made some speech after that about how he said that he believed that the only thing that could unite Russia and America was some kind of alien invasion. Mm. And I don't know if that was a speech that was made pre-Watchmen or post-Watchmen. Right. But how I always interpreted the alien invasion at the end of Watchmen was yeah. a riff on what Reagan had said right. in his presidency of like... And, and it does stand to... I mean, I've said that for years, you know, like... At this point, with seven and a half billion people, multiple religions, everyone thinks they're right about everything. Yeah. What could unite us? And really, what could unite us other than flying discs landing in every major city? And look, yeah. I think there's a... Uh, it's... One of the major positives of the comic is probably what, unfortunately, becomes its negative, that it, it roots itself in such a, a very real setting of yeah. superheroes Yeah. that in any other book, which is, oh, I got bitten by a spider and now I can, you know, climb on walls. Yeah. Or, you know, I came from a planet and crash-landed here and yeah. due to the colour of your sun... Bullets bounce off my chest. Yeah, that's the story about or me I coming can fly. to Sydney from Not Adelaide. Initially, initially, I just jump really high, yeah. but eventually I fly. Yeah, that's what um, I'm counting on. Everyone's going, giant squid? <laughs> yeah. Really? I don't think so. But it's uh, I always, uh, you know, I know there's been some people that have pushed back at me on this. And, uh, and, and, you know, like I'm not saying actually they're wrong with this as I will... Stand by this TV series till the day I die. I'm going to get the whole series tattooed on my back. That's why I've decided that every frame, every frame, every frame. It's going to be tiny. I'm going to be like, uh, I'm going to be memento, but with this whole TV series. <laughs> and then if you put me under a strobe light and I move in a certain direction, you can watch the whole series all at once. It's like one of those holographic cards that we used to get in the in the late nineties. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Lenticular cards, but I know there's been some pushback. Some people saying that the graphic novel was never satirical, which is funny no, the to me. Novel was, yeah, it was I always satirical. like because I was reading Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I was also reading Frank Miller's Dark Knight, mm. which was highly satirical. So mm. it felt very much uh, of the time of you know, yeah. like 
Like, how can you how can you take any of this seriously when Dan Dryberg can't get it up unless he puts his costume on? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, even yeah. as a teenager, I thought that was hilarious. But I think yeah. you need to know the the world of I think you that need to, to understand yeah, the satire. Yeah. Yes, yes, I, yeah, that's a fair. That's what made him my favorite character in the in the graphic, in the novel, graphic yeah. novel was for that. Yeah, know, just that that was all he had in life, and also mirroring the um, under the hood excerpt. Yeah, which which you know talk about. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I dressed. As an owl, yes, <laughs> I'm a grown man, and yeah. I went out and I fought crime. Yeah, like even that alone, you go, yeah, that is a, it's a ridiculous concept, and that's why I've never really accepted the idea that the, the squid is ludicrous. Oh, right, because you go, we have set up, and I think I'm pretty sure that's maybe end of the second, like chapter two, I think. Right, where we get that excerpt from under the hood, which is like we've we've already set up. Look, let's all be honest. This is this world that we live in, yeah. And it's it, we've all accepted now that these characters, and there are all different kinds, to the point where we've run out of heroes that are original, and right. so now we're like, it's elongated man, yeah. or you know, he's 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 an ant guy. Like yeah. that's that's where we are. So let's not take this too seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, in a world where the villain literally just dresses like a penguin. That's it. Yeah. He doesn't have any powers. He's just a bad guy. He's got, like, his go-to is an umbrella. (laughs) Yeah. And a top hat. Like, that's it. Yeah. And he's kind of got a pointy nose. Yeah. And a monocle. Like, that's... Let's not take any of this too seriously. There's that great... uh, you know, you've uh, been, you've lived the the Grant Morrison run on Batman when Ooh, when yeah. he brings Surinar <laughs> into uh, the best modern day mythology, yeah. and it's the idea is it was a fifties comic where this alien has been watching Earth and watching Gotham specifically, and he's inspired by Batman, so he fights crime in a costume that is no word of a lie, purple, magenta, and gold, and then he gets injured, so he. Gets in touch with Batman and says, hey, I need help on my planet. So he flies him to his planet. Yeah. And then in that planet, he's like Superman. He gets Superman powers and he fights crime. Everyone was on drugs in the 1960s. Yeah. Grant, Morrison, <laughs> Grant Morrison made that a part of the mythology as a, as a backup personality. Yeah. And, yeah. And <laughs> so that if, you, if the, the real Batman ever gets brainwashed, the Batman of Zura and I is the backup personality. Yeah. It'll come out. And, and then somehow, and somehow uh, logged it into the Mask of Zorro yeah. uh, wording. Anyway, it... I the whole thing is fucking lunatic. I, yeah, I remember reading and I, that. All these fucking idiot comic book fans. Like, ah, it's <laughs> yeah. not in canon. Shut up. Mate, You're a fucking moron. It's like, <laughs> it's a guy dressed as a bat. Just relax. It's so funny. It's such a funny thing. No. And then people but were it, getting upset about it. It's got to mean, mean something to me, man. It means something to me. Mm. But it can mean something. And, and, and you know what's good? Jokes. Um, <laughs> Topher's reaction to discovering that his mum is Sister Knight mirrors Will Reeves and his son knowing that he's hooded justice. Yeah. But Angela is a very different person to her grandfather. So I'm wondering, how do you think this information will play out between her and her adopted son? I think she'll become a god and not uh, and not uh, recognise the relationship anymore. I'm very cynical, but I feel like she'll become a god and be like, oh, Thanks you know, for you're not my bumming kids, out like. the podcast. Well, sorry, you know what no, I mean? It's no, like, no, I think that, fine. like, you know, if, if fucking Dr. Manhattan lost all connection with his human counterparts, wouldn't it stand to reason yeah, that uh, she Yeah, that's a possibility. Right? Yeah. Well, if we've had plenty of Superman origin references, I'd see Typher as being the Batman. He's the, you know, I've, I've, seen, right. I've seen my parents murdered. Yes. And, you know, so if anyone's going to go on to, you know, use that to give them justification for getting all vigilante. Yeah. 
that that would be my thought. And I just like the fact that we've planted that seed of. I had a little as a future. little squid bit later that that is exactly where that storyline could go, and once again does a great job of ties uh, ties an end to that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he knows that that's who she is, and that's what she's been doing all this time, and the you know everything that's been going on, but it leaves that sense of the story could progress because nothing ever ends and maybe... There's a bit of Joseph Gordon-Levitt in uh, Dark Knight Rises. In oh, yeah. 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 You know Sounds what? Right, because Lindelof has said no more, like, no series two for me. Well, he but that's put, not to say someone else couldn't do it. And he's, and he's also left said, a lot here for someone else to play with. Completely, yeah. And he's also said that if he had a great idea... But if he doesn't, he's put. He has not held back. He hasn't thought. Well, I'll hold this back for the next one. He's I would be. I would be in. very glad for this to be it. I yeah. feel like there is something to be said for the one and done. This is what it is. Yeah. You know. Enjoy it. Yeah. No. 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 Rather I, than this ongoing kind of you know mystery playing out. I have something on that in a oh. sec. Let's, I've got two more questions. Fight said last week he had eight million children waiting for him back home. Who are those eight million children? Is that like does like how much has he been like how much does he have saved up? That's what I want to know. Oh yeah, I, I, I assume that's just it's uh, it's his spoof painting. Right, right. Yes. One of was yeah. One of the new heroes. We know, the new there's at le- we know there's at least 2,346. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Can I just ask, he yes. says, it's and it's very specific when he says it, I have never, what does he say, slept with a woman? Or... I did not have sexual <laughs> relations with that woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he Clintons it. Uh, yeah. No, 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 but he, woman. He, a concubine. Does he say concubine? No, but you know what I mean? Alexander the Great was uh, a, a famous homosexual. Right. Is is that is there some kind of intimation that oh, yeah, you know, maybe. he would not uh, be with a woman, but he has been with men? Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. I uh, hadn't thought. Was a was Alexander the Great? Yeah, well, oh, he was yeah, at least right. bisexual. I don't know. Right, according to the Oliver Stone film, I'm not a huge historian. Oh well, it ask must your be friend correct. Richard Feidler. I don't know. I will ask Richard actually. Ah, <laughs> uh, funny, I hadn't recorded the podcast that you're going to hear in the future back in the past because I am Doctor Manhattan. Um, right. Ben, yeah. Rove has to go, and I've got other things that I have to bring up. But you said, yeah. in this world, you said, hey, is this like the thing you texted planets. me about earlier? No. Oh, okay. You said there's nine planets. Nine planets. Right. And in, in our world, we have eight because mm. we demoted Pluto. Because well, Neil deGrasse Tyson right. and then you got, orchestrated a and campaign. And then you got fired up about. Yep. Neil. Anyway. About What's Neil your Degrasse theory Ty- on gravity? Oh, about Neil deGrasse Tyson ruining movies. Like, the yeah. constellations were wrong. He gives yeah. a shit because it's a fucking movie. Yeah. Um, he was very critical of the film Gravity. Yes, I particularly know. Particularly the scene where uh, George Clooney drifts off into space and he could yeah. have been pulled back. My interpretation of Gravity is not... None of that is actually happening. The entire film is happening within Sandra Bullock's head as she lies in the fetal position having a panic attack in bed over the death of her daughter. That is that fucking movie. And if you watch that movie as the internal experience of someone having a panic attack, yeah. it is completely cogent. There are no holes. And it is George Clooney is the Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Everything he says is the thing that a person on Lifeline would say to someone over the phone that is having a massive breakdown. Yeah. You know, stay strong. 
you are the you know you are yeah, you are yeah, here yeah, you are yeah, here, yeah. you know and all of it it all mirrors and that's why the that stages imagery of a at the attack. end is being reborn out absolutely of and her lose. getting back on her feet yeah. and you know I'm ready to live again you know <sighs> the, the whole thing is her processing the death of her daughter she's you know all that criticism like oh, as if they'd let an untrained uh, burr into space she's not like fit to go to space yeah of course because she's not in space she's in her mind having a panic attack that's that's yeah. what the movie is but if you do look you know in the background of that second shot that star wouldn't have been in there because that's <laughs> not oh, yeah that star doesn't exist yeah, mate you're right, you're right. like it, it, it's, it's sh- so facto shit. bullshit oh man it took me right out I mean of the they movie. actually filmed that in outer space though right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but they should have I'm, right. I'm cool with it Hey, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Metaphor. Metaphor. It's a metaphor. Okay. Oh, my God. Wow. You know what? He'd been really enjoying this podcast series right up until now. <laughs> Imagine if I was about to work with him on a new TV series that was going to be the second greatest series after this series. Oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, whatever. I'm, I'd much rather make this podcast. Um, all right. I, uh, Rove's got to go because he's got a family and people who need him, but I'm going to keep him here longer because I need well, people you, too. You go and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll keep this going. No, no, but I want him to be here for some of this because right, I wrote it with him in all mind. All right, all right. Jesus, I'm ben. still looking forward to the thing you texted me about today. Oh, yeah, nah, we'll get that in a all second. Right, right. So that's why you have to stay, Rove. <laughs> I spend Stockholm two. Syndrome, I, baby. If it's any consolation, I'm up to the new segments, okay. the other segments. I spend too much time alone. Thought before I tell you, oh, my no, spent. No, you can't leave. You're go full Why? No, that's later. Full, full horseshoe is later. All right. Before I even get into this, I'm going to throw it out to you, and like you don't have to have a thought because I've got thoughts. <laughs> really? The Justin <laughs> Hamilton story. Where would you like to see season two go? I don't want season two. You don't want but season that, that's two? That's my thought. I don't want season two. I, but if you could. If I could. Uh, honestly, I'm not a big fan theorizer. I love self-contained things. Why did you do this? No, I, I know what you mean. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I, I know what you I, mean. I feel like the ending was so perfect. I really do. Mm. I really do. I agree much, totally. much as the ending of the graphic novel was perfect in the sense of like... It could go either way. This could be dismissed as a hoax, this diary, yeah. or it could completely destabilize this. Yeah. You know, and I like being able to marinate in that. I like thinking, did she fall through the water of the pool? Yeah. And this whole thing was just a you know big joke? Yeah. Or is she the new god on earth? And God yeah. knows what's going to happen from that. Um, I know I haven't watched The Leftovers, and you've told me that season two of The Leftovers is perfect. Even though and they weren't plan, even though they weren't planning yeah. another season, yeah. So I'd be happy to watch another season, but me personally, I'd be more than happy to leave it where it is. I, I like the idea that we get a twist on Will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where Topher, as we've already alluded to, yeah, gets his superhero aspirations. Yeah. But he he feels somewhat slighted by this secret that his adopted mother has or guardian has been keeping. Oh right. And he becomes the villain. Right. Uh against her or whoever else might be coming. Although, you know, obviously if it's if it's a Doctor Manhattan, she if she's Doctor Manhattan, it, it, it means more than oh, I'm fighting Superman. Yeah, it's, for sure. It, it, it carries so much more gravitas. Which also had me wondering, like, at what point did we, I just assume the whole point through, John knew this was going to be his end. Would that be correct? Yeah. Right. So he also helped uh, set everything in motion to... Now that could, that, now the, the uh, super evil villain Topher... Yep. 
because uh, now when we saw him in like episode one or two, oh yeah, that's a magnetic set. It's, so it hovers yeah. in midair, yeah, with nothing to do with him. Obviously, it's a magnetic she, set. Well, I guess by the fact she just walked in, and went, "Hey, you're creating a weird Edwardian yeah. mansion in the but middle." But he still of your... makes the mansion that Doctor Manhattan based that's his true. mansion on. You know. So yeah, can I ask a question about the Doctor Manhattan thing? Do oh, you yeah. think that she absorbs his memories? Or she's like completely separate, or do you reckon they merge? No, I reckon that's part of the. I reckon that's part of the question. And like, how do, do they merge? And if they don't merge, if she gets his powers, how much does no, he pass on? Yeah, I would assume it's the it's the the power meaning. you, yeah. you see all, but only from your perspective. Okay. Remember, this segment's called "I Spend Too Much Time Alone." My season two. I don't want a season two either. Yeah. I, I totally agree are with you. Are you actually saying, are you actually Yeah, completely. Mean that? I completely mean that. But I have to say, I didn't want a sequel to the graphic novel and I got this TV series, so I was wrong. And at the end of season one of Watchmen, I was like, of uh, The Leftovers, I was like, great. Yeah. And I got the end of season two and I went, oh my God, that was perfect. And then I got the end of season three. I got the end of season one of Fleabag, and I went, how can you improve on this? And then I got the season two of mm-hmm. Fleabag. and went, holy shit. Anyway, my season two. <laughs> <laughs> three hours later. The Justin Hamilton story. Strap in. As you can't replicate the comic and the TV medium, I don't think you can replicate this season of Watchmen. It's always been a story about innovation. So I would make... Season two, I'm going to give an arbitrary number for us to get our heads around this. Five 90-minute episodes spread throughout history where the only character that appears in all five is Dr. Manhattan slash Angela. And I would make the baseline an exploration of faith and how we live in a world where someone that powerful exists. So the idea uh, germinates from when Neil Gaiman took over Alan Moore's incredible run on Miracle Man. And that finishes with the world transformed, which is not giving away too much, but it transformed. And Neil Gaiman took over and he writes this brilliant series called The Golden Age, which is set in this world that everything that happens in this world is affected by everything that happened at the end of the Moore run. But it explores it in one-off stories that mm. somehow tell a mosaic. Mm. Um. So then what we could do is we could have an episode about a dark religious group that rejects Dr. Manhattan. What about a story set in the 50s uh, about a scientist who worked with John when he became Dr. Manhattan Mm. and that character's friendship with Janie and Wally who wonders about what life really is from a scientific level, including the idea that maybe, maybe he goes from being a religious character to contemplating that the universe is two planes of existence that cross over that create a 3D hologram. So... You can have him working that out. What about an episode where a spy who has spent his life in the 60s and 70s working counter-espionage who now has to reconcile his uselessness in this new world? How about a story set in the future with a new mask who turns out to be a grown-up Topher, which makes sense because we know his origin story. He (laughs) saved his sisters when the 7th Cavalry came in and killed their parents. Uh, and he has a time, uh, you know, so we see what's going on in the future. What about a time hopping chat? <laughs> Mate, I'd rather die alone than be with someone who does not appreciate everything I'm saying. What about a time hopping episode 
with Night Owl across multiple eras that are all the same conversation with Dr. Manhattan and or Angela, but are completely nonsensical to Dan until we find him in jail having his last conversation with that character. And what about a chance encounter with a little boy who asked questions of Dr. Manhattan slash Angela about their experiences, including why she or he doesn't fix world hunger, the environment, and will he pass on his powers so he can be Kid Manhattan, a riff on... Neil Gaiman's small chapter in Miracle Man where he does the same thing. Every great superhero also needs a sidekick. Angela needs that. And if you have... Are you fucking listening to this, Damon Lindelof? Are you listening to this? Are you listening? What I'm saying is if you want me to come over and help you write this and let me forget everyone that I've ever known or even like 90%, I'll be sorry to Miss Rove and whoever you are. But this is... I don't know. I don't know who the choice is going to be, Ben. I like... Fuck, I can't see into the future. Motherfucker. I've got to work with Rope. So anyway, so... (laughs) So you have a... You have... Dr. Manhattan and Angela turning up at different times, so they're the subtle storyline through the five mini-movies that add up to their... Whoever your main character is learning uh, an answer for a question they asked long ago, which is, what is the faith of the most powerful person that ever lived in a world that is full of people looking for someone to believe in themselves? Wow. Bravo, Justin Hamilton. I don't care if I stay single. Like, I am fine with that theory spooning me at night. I like the idea of it, yeah, if, if we're saying race was our undercurrent here, that faith for the next one would be extraordinary what you could oh, do with yeah, that. Oh, yeah, right. And I love the idea of a series that explores ideas rather than narrative necessarily. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. I think uh, I think that's what this series taught us. I think that's kind of what, uh, you, know, uh, you know, people are busy and they have lots of choices. So if you can give them one story that, that they can enjoy... But for everyone else who watches all of it and it combines to tell some greater story that is more circular than linear, I think uh, that you could be into something. By the way, if they just gave me a season that was just like that, but like the next one, I'd be wrapped. (laughs) So, you know, but but this is what I... I think this is what you were saying earlier, Ben. Having a think about it, Turns some engines and it yep. makes you th- this is why you love these series because you love what the, you're being presented with but it also encourages you to be creative yep. even if it's just you saying how did will hang judge Craw- uh, yep. Tr- crawford uh judge you know do you yeah, know what i mean yeah, do you know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah. how did like even on a simplistic easy level you're being made to engage. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. still out there too. You think, you know, that technology, this hypnotic, you know, laser oh, yeah. light could be yeah. ad- adapted by somebody into something. For yeah. sure. And maybe that's, there's even a, a version of this where Will comes out of retirement and that's at his, uh, you know, age. Oh, yeah. With his physical limitations being in a wheelchair. Yeah. That's how he goes goes about and and... Fights crime. You that's know? that's uh, his superpower. Is yeah, that he's got yeah, this yeah. weapon now? It's an interesting. I mean, there's a lot to play with. That's what I really like about they've, they've left so many toys for anyone to, to pick up and play with. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, you can also go, well, will yeah. his story's finished? You know. Mm. Okay, I know everyone has to go. How long do you have, Rove? Give me, give me a time. Go for it. All right, I've got some mum <laughs> facts. <No> time. <laughs> I've got some mum facts. 
Mum facts. You of all people can't say goodnight to my mum. Mum facts. The title of the episode comes from the lyric for the Beatles, I am the walrus, which has the lines, I am he as you are he as you are me, and we are all together. Mr. City Policeman sitting pretty little policeman in a row, see how they fly. Like Lucy in the sky, see how they run. Also has later on, crab locker fishwife pornographic priestess which kind of suggests Sister Knight, the nun with a motherfucking gun, perhaps. Um, Mum, who was a big fan of the Beatles, uh, you know, Mum was born uh, June 1st, 1953, right in her timeline. Who was her favourite Beatle? George. Ringo. It was Ringo. You know, do you want to know why? Yeah. He had sad eyes. And that oh, made her feel sad. He does have beautiful yeah, sad yeah, eyes. Yeah. He has basset hound eyes. He does. Old Ringo. So I Am the Walrus, written by John Lennon, draws inspiration from Lewis Carroll's The Walrus and the Carpenter from Through the Looking Gar- Glass and what Alice found there. Lennon didn't realise the walrus was the villain of the poem and that it was commenting on the capitalist system. How could you not interpret the walrus as the villain? He's I think he was a collecting kid. the I, baby oysters. I think he was reading it as a kid, right. and you know, just kind of missed him, and then remembered it, and then was freeforming these lyrics. I see, and then realized later, fine character. He he said the song should have been "I am the carpenter," which would have been great because Jesus is a carpenter. Uh, the the cover. I always thought the walrus and the carpenter were like predators. Yeah, yeah. Where they scoop up the baby oysters. Yeah. Uh. Well, I think he kind of wrote something subconsciously and yeah, was yeah, yeah. freeforming. Yeah. Uh, the cover of I Am The Walrus in this episode was by the rock band Spooky Tooth, who were essentially active between 1967 and 1974. This is a song borrowed from the Beatles and remixed to suit Spooky Tooth's sound, just as this is as Angela's about to use Dr. Manhattan's original powers in her own way, and just as the series is borrowed and repurposed by the latest creators. The song also bounces back and forth between previous Beatles songs, just as Angela bounced back and forth between her own personal history when on nostalgia. Nice one, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexi facts. Alexi Toliopoulos oh, was meant to be with us today and could not uh, make it. He sent me a text message saying, lots of talk of narcissism revolving around Adrian Veidt, which relates to the original poem about Ozymandias. He is then taken out by a looking glass just as Narcissus was killed by his own oh. reflection. Oh, yeah, very nice. clever Greek boy. Let's keep him. <laughs> now I can either go full horseshoe and then you can go, or I can go full horseshoe and then get into squid bits, Rove. What do you want? It's your night. Oh, you I have, be, I, I, you I, have I, a family. I, I feel you do have a family. <laughs> I feel they've all they've, they've moved at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, I've moved. High. I'll, I'll get. I'll just move in now, Rove. We can. We, we can. We're gonna watch Watchmen all over again. We can. I feel. I, I, feel uh, I wish I was Doctor Manhattan to know exactly how this night ends for me. <laughs> um, it ends I, in a few hours. Let's. Uh, I, I want to know where you're gonna go for horseshoe. Horseshoe. Yeah, I had let's a feeling. That's why I said it. Because I'd seen into the future and I knew that if I said. I'm going to go full horseshoe. I knew you'd sit down. <laughs> when Veidt sees True's Millennium Clock, he quotes the lines, Israel is desolate and her seed is no more. Palestine is become a widow for Egypt. This is an excerpt from the inscription on the Mernet steel dating from 1208 BC. It deals with a military campaign, Pharaoh Mentep, Led against the Libyans. The original translation has her crops are not, but by changing it to seed, 
it is a reference to his daughter about to become a god or die trying. The steel was found right across the Nile in Karnak, the Egyptian temple that Veidt named his retreat after. Merentet was the son of Ramses II, whom the Greeks called Ozymandias. Very good. Very good. Man. (laughs) How good is life? Like, genuinely. That was good. That was worth it. That was like, that was genuinely worth it. Now, do you need to go? No, let's squid it up. All right, Weird okay. Squid bits. All right. Laurie's joke about the brick coming down and killing God ended up not being a little girl or a brick, but instead was the last roll of the dice by Ozymandias, and it was frozen squid. Mm-hmm. Agent Petey was lube man, is now on the run as he's been fired from the FBI after his Peter Petey year. Me- memos were considered oh. unprofessional. Are these the Pedopedia yeah. me- me- yeah. memos from this episode? Yeah. Because they're the only ones I haven't re- read yet. Yeah, the latest That's one. Fantastic. fantastic. So the latest one. Is so, from- it's, it, so, so it's implied that he is Lube Man yeah. and that yeah. he was investigating Angela dressed as his superhero alter ego. No, he's just being an FBI agent also dressing up as a crazy loon. Fantastic. By the way, big shout out to Alexi and his obsession with other people's lips for working <laughs> that out immediately. Um, in the memo, Max Farragut is the deputy director of the FBI who writes the last memo. And there's a possibility I'm reaching here, but let's do it anyway. Uh, possibly named after the play Farragut North, which was a 2008 play written by Bo Wilmon, which was a play about the lust for power and the costs one will endure to achieve it. Bo also wrote House of Cards. That play was turned into a film called The Ides of March, which stars George Clooney, who I love. And most importantly, <laughs> the play was performed in 2013 with, I don't know, this star who once escaped Europa called Jeremy Irons. Oh. Boom! Anyway, <laughs> guess what? I vagued out halfway through, which means yeah, you I must know. be right. Yeah. See, all, and whereas all I have is... Oh, when the like the theatre lights all went out at the end, you could see that it said Dr. M. Oh, yeah, that's one of my squid bits. We'll get to that in a sec. Well, anyway. I've got a squid bit too. All right, go I was so go, excited. Go. I was just so excited for this episode. I just hit you with double, you two went, horseshoes. You double horseshoe. yeah, I doubled horseshoe Best night of my life. Um, the best way, uh, the, the password to get into Vite's computer is the same one from the comic. He is a ma- a mass uh, like by the way like like what an idiot like that that proves the time is nineteen eighty five where you could have one password and you wouldn't have to worry about it yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you wouldn't have to add uh, ampersands and all that other yeah. stuff yeah. not case sensitive at all no not, not at all I did like I, I really appreciated how well the desk was set up to yeah. look like his his one in the comic. oh yeah like, yeah to like the more than one action figure on oh. the desk in those little poses which is what I was going to say which is. You know, continuing the narcissist theme, he's got action figures of him at his hideout yeah, as well as his office. Like at the office, you could look at it. Like wh- when I read it in the graphic novel, it was probably like, "Oh yeah, these will do. These will yeah. be great." Yeah. But once you see them at the <laughs> at the hideout, you Come go, on, "You keep action figures of yourself." Yeah, I also uh, enjoyed in that scene that when uh, uh, Lady True's mum inseminated herself, that it was uh, framed that the Alexander the Great yes. looked like he was on top of her. Yeah, yeah, very good <laughs> with lots of children yeah. floating around. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Lady True makes fun of her dad for doing a rerun with the reigning squids, but it turns out that rerun gets a little tweak and once again helps save the day. 
great moment. Uh, the clockwork world of Watchmen comes full circle with another massacre in Tulsa, but this time it's the white racists who get decimated. Nice. Yes. And Will returns to the theatre, but this time surrounded by family rather mm. than losing his family. Uh when Dr. Manhattan is trapped and can't be present, he's saying lines from the comic. All we ever see of stars are their old photographs. It's from issue four. As is Janie, what's up? Are you cold? I can raise the temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, also from that episode is pay attention. You will all return to your homes. That's around when he's teleporting the uh, protesters away. Protesters, yeah. And... Uh, as far as I know, there is currently a situation in Afghanistan requiring my attentions. Uh, comes from issue three. Is that as he's at the the press conference? Yeah, is yeah, that the one? yeah, yeah. He, before he teleports out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the name Tessa Hurston is behind the performance of Oklahoma. Uh, I did a as quick a look on this as I could before everyone turned up. Uh, this might be a reference to Zora Neale Hurston who was a black author from the 30s and 40s who often wrote about the black experience. And funnily enough, I found a bio about Hurston and it was written by a woman called Tessa. So who knows, that might be a thermodynamic miracle. I would have preferred to know the numbers for Lotto on Thursday. Uh, Sorry, I thought I was performing in a shit comedy venue. (laughs) Insert name of comedy venue in your own head. Uh, As we know, Angela was in a blue hue on the first Watchmen image and then made a smiley face out of raw eggs in the first episode. Uh, It's kind of like they were telling us this was going to end this way, right from the beginning. The Tulsa Herald, Herald has a heading... Supreme Court confirmation hearings drag on as the Republican Party attempts to delay President Redford's Supreme Court appointment, which is exactly what what Mitch McConnell, Mm. half man, half turtle, uh, tried to do to Obama, even though it is the president's constitutional Oh, he didn't try. He did. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Lady Drew ends up with a hole in the hand. It's like a squid stigmata. Also my dancing name in the 90s. (laughs) Um, We've already mentioned, I think we all saw this, the Dreamland Theatre has most of the letters knocked out, leaving Dr. M hovering over Angela and her family as a literal sign of foreshadowing. Also, when Will was sitting in the theatre by himself looking up at the stage, Mm. uh, up on the proscenium or as part of the set, a lone horseshoe. Oh, yeah, 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 right. An archway there. Oh, yeah, good squid bit. I didn't see that. That's great. Uh, as Lady True waits to receive her powers, the shot is framed with the figure of Jesus Christ looking like the pretend Messiah about to ascend from the pretend church. And then just as she's about to get the powers, the cross drops to the ground, letting us know that she will not attain godhood. Uh, I don't know about you. The spaceship kind of looked like a mechanical squid to me. What to- did that, like when, the, when there was almost the drone shot going on yeah. over the top as it's been destroyed and yeah. lying on the ground it looked to me a bit like the exploded squid yeah well there were, there were there's a very there's a very conspicuous circle in the middle of it that replicates the eye so i saw that oh, yeah. a squid and there's branching eyes oh, i'm also talking about the spaceship on you oh, yeah, 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 as well yeah. like kind of looks a little yeah. bit there, there's imagery that's uh, reflected all the way I'm through talking it. when the thing collapses yeah, on top yeah, of her, yeah. it, it resembles yeah. the squid from the episode four yeah. or whatever it was um just like the graphic novel being a global story contained very much 
for the most part in a smaller area, the the corner streets of New York. Um, this global story centres around the main courtyard mm. of Tulsa. We end up <laughs> right back. Uh, Your news vendor and all. Yeah. Uh, first episode, last episode, symmetry. We begin with a black man in a wheelchair. We finish with a white man in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, we said Looking Glass was the Rorschach we could barrack for. In this episode, he literally becomes the Rorschach we can barrack for by taking on his mask. Uh, Rorschach, at the end of the graphic novel, won't compromise and is destroyed for this belief. Looking Glass won't compromise, but he has Laurie mm-hmm. agreeing with him. Maybe proving that she's a much truer force of yep. nature in yep. this world. Yep. Um, with that in mind, I... It's season two was a spin-off with Looking Glass and Agent Blake taking down Dickhead Mars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I would totally watch that. A quick squid bit from me. Did you notice that uh, Angela's uh, interrogation technique of breaking the fingers mirrors Rorschach? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Breaking yeah. the fingers in the in Oh, the, yeah, uh, good bar. one. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. I was too busy enjoying Regina King breaking <laughs> the fingers of assholes that I didn't like. <laughs> Uh, Senator King says he's going to squeeze John like a grape and then go squeeze himself. Yep. Uh, the series comes full circle with the theatre where Judd and Jane watch the old black production of Oklahoma. Uh, and then the last time we see this, there's a Frank Sinatra cover of the musical's opening song, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Um, Lady True telling Vite that using dead bodies must be, there must be a cool story behind that. Uh, she was correct. There is. <laughs> and we watched it. And it was awesome. Uh, we've already mentioned that Senator Keane's underwear looks exactly like the underwear he sports in the comic. Veidt catches the bullet just as he did in the comic when Laurie tried to shoot him. Um, that's a lot of vials of semen, so we know what Veidt does when he's not making big squids and saving the world. <laughs> uh, the ending is a perfect explanation of quantum mechanics, specifically Schrodinger's cat where by cutting before we see any more, Angela does and doesn't have Dr. Manhattan's powers. Oh, yeah. uh, Vite makes a joke about a cowboy actor would never be able to attain the presidency without his help, which is a joke on Ronald Reagan, who obviously missed out on being president in this world because he didn't have Vite's backing. Uh, I already mentioned the clapperboard at the start is dated the that the episode uh, was released um, and is take 11, so... We've already theorised maybe there are 11 versions of the script. I mentioned earlier in the podcast, but I'll reiterate, Dave Gibbons used a nine-page grid to tell his story. The HBO series is nine episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was... So I watched the episode on TV and then I watch it online so I can write the recap. Mm-hmm. And the little synopsis that comes up when you pause it uh, for this episode says, everything ends for real this time. <laughs> uh so any last thoughts oh uh oh. look uh i it's not every it's not every Dig day deep, brother it's not every day you get to go into something with high expectations and, and no matter how much you try to quell them and be realistic yep there is that part of the back of your mind that will still say yeah but i think this is going to be really good right and more often than not, you come out the other side with, well, it was fine. It was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Uh, this this was what I had hoped it would be. And I will say more because I didn't think we would be tackling some of the issues the way we have. Yeah. At, uh, you know, with, with such ferocity the way we have as well. 
uh, you know, to sort of think, oh, there's a little, you know, s- there's subtle references to race. No, it was, it was in your face, and you, if you wanted to enjoy this series, you had to, you had to face it and had, yeah. to, had, had to accept it. Uh, so the fact that, and there's all those little, the little squid bits along the way. Yeah, like there was so, there was so much to enjoy. That I know, going back, we will enjoy over and over. The more you, the more yeah. you watch, and even more so with the knowledge of where this is taking you, how much more you can sit and really take in the detail. Yeah, because you, you're at this point not trying to follow because you already know where we're going. Yeah, is is it's such a rare thing to have at the moment. Yeah, and I'm I you know. Full marks to everybody involved in this show for taking on board what is a really difficult topic. There is a film that didn't stick the landing as well as this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I just want to say, yeah, bravo to anybody involved in this, whether it was for one episode, whether you were just part of the, the writing team that was helping build the world that this whole thing was, or even just anyone involved, even you know, with HBO themselves for having the balls to go, this is what we want this to be, and we're not going to shy away from it. And yeah, there's going to be... Uh, racial overtones, but there's also going to be yeah, we're going, we're going to go full squid. We're going to there's going to be a, there will be a big squid in this. Yeah, and people will have to deal with it, and we're going to be fishing fetuses out of a lake. But trust us, it'll all be fine. Yeah, I say fucking bravo because yeah. you did it, you did it, and yeah. and for anyone who would be working on this, this would have been their biggest concern when this began. Yeah, is I we just hope. Uh, whether you're a fan or not, that you enjoy it, yeah. And to get both of those audiences, and I reckon they did, is a tough nut to crack. But they did it, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it could have been very fan servicey, and it without could have a checked doubt. all those boxes and yeah. made all the people that love the n- graphic novel like, oh, I recognise that. Yeah, but to add a layer <laughs> into it that is very, uh, you know, uh, for want of a better word, provocative in this current age that we're in where you know nuance and depth is kind of something that you know people blanch against um yeah i think it's a i think it's a societally and morally responsible show and kind of the show we need in 2019 yeah i uh i I think they did that uh beautifully which is uh i think they did give us fan service Mm. But not yeah. in a way we expected, which is what we were talking about with uh, denouements, where you can work out what's going to happen. But if you give it to me in a way that I'm not expecting, then, like, that's great. That's yep. great storytelling. And and it was like Dr. Manhattan. I want to see Dr. Manhattan. But you gave him to me in a way where when he was the character that I know, you didn't show me his face. So that meant... I engaged with it in a way where I just added his face. And then when he became Cal, he was Cal. Hmm. And it was, it was, everything was so clever. Everything was so well thought out. The writing team, the production team, the directors, the actors have done such an amazing job. And always, at any moment, had the complete guts with a highfalutin show to have a fart joke. Everyone who does not respect that is uh, wrong, yeah. and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> but also for a show to give you everything you wanted, yeah. But also give you a whole lot of stuff you didn't want that you yes. would have to deal with, right? And even to not give you the stuff you wanted, I would have sworn after episode one, yeah, 
We weren't really going to see Dr. Manhattan. They've referenced him and then he's apparently still on Mars and we never see him again. Right. But I would have put money down we were going to see Night Owl, even down to this last episode. Yeah. There were so many references and nods and all sorts of things that I, I thought that's absolutely what's going to happen. Oh, one other quick squid bit. I oh, don't yeah. know if it's been mentioned before. Yeah. I never remember the name of that goddamn cloned lynx. Oh, Babastus. Babastus. Yeah. Uh, Topher has a stuffed toy of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's been coming yes, out. I think it's been yes. in more than one episode, but it was really front and center tonight. Oh yeah, of course. But yeah, I yeah, just, I, I honestly that. thought there's so many references to Night Owl. He's in prison, just in case anyone yeah. wants to know. It, that's where he is, which means he can come out. Yeah, and that didn't happen, and I don't feel robbed. I don't no. feel that you know the fact that we got Doctor Manhattan, and that's not what I expected. So I have to adjust my expectations. This character that I thought was going to come in did not. Had to adjust my expectations. Yeah, couldn't be happier. Couldn't yeah. be happier. Good for you guys. Yeah. Well, we, you and I, Justin, talked about this in a podcast yet to come, Manhattan-esque. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Alan Moore's philosophy of art is something that uh, you give the audience something they need rather than what they want. Because the audience doesn't know what they need. Right. Because they're the audience. And if they yeah. knew what they needed, they'd be the one making the art. Right. I feel like this series, philosophically, has carried that mantle. Yeah. You know, in a weird way, it's like, it's this... Uh, like, I'm sure he would hate it if you watched it right. <laughs> because he's Alan Moore. But I feel like this philosophically yes. is more in line with any adaptation that's ever existed of his work before. Right. You know, I mean, I really like the V Vendetta movie, mm-hmm. but it is very kind of, you know, pow, pang, pang. Yeah. Um, but this seems to really synthesize his philosophy as an artist. Yeah. And saying, you know, the art, serves a purpose yeah and art needs to deliver a message and this message that's being delivered by this series is very necessary in the climate that is currently existing in this world well i i read that interview that he did for a spanish i think it was a spanish newspaper and it was uh translated recently and it was a few years ago and it was the one where what the headlines did was they took the uh the sensationalist part of it where he was saying that D.W. Griffith, Birth of a Nation, was almost like the prototype superhero story. Mm. So anyway, I read this article where he was answering all these questions and had that in context. And then I read Liam Moore, his daughter's responses on Twitter about how he feels about superheroes. And, you know, and, and she was so great. She was just saying, hey, imagine you loved it. You loved it. And these are the things that happen. And uh, it, it it reminded me why I love Alan Moore. It reminded me why I really respect him. And I totally understand why he would not watch this. And there is no way in any world that I completely respected him that I would even suggest that he should watch it. No. But I would love if he watched it. <laughs> I, th- there's this part of me that feels like... Off his own back. There's the part of me that feels like <laughs> if he did somehow come to it, he would yeah. at least respect the spirit in which it's being put out into the world. Yeah. And that it is being made to make a point and yeah. not just... You know, it, it's the antithesis of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. Right. You know, in like, sick, punching people. Like, it's actually taking what his kind of ethos is as an artist and right. transferring it into this medium and really delivering something that, um, you know, has weight yeah. in 2019. There's yeah. not a lot of nuance in 2019. No. Only a true fan could do. Right, yeah. Which Lindelof has done. Like, that's... To, to take the essence of it and use that as your as your 
as the germination for what you are trying to create yeah. as opposed to the world the characters and yeah. then it just becomes a not very good sequel yeah for sure well, I, I know you don't like especially on this podcast where we're much more positive kind of uh focus but you know I, I know you don't want me to shit on the movie but the movie i think this is the antithesis of the watchman movie the watchman movie oh, is yeah. very good at going check it out we got the slow motion blood drip on the smiley face we understand the iconography of watchmen and it's like it was never really the iconography that was important no it was the point of what this was trying to say and i feel like this has you know it still pays lip service to the iconography you still got the slow motion drip on the sheriff's badge that harkens back to the original graphic novel but this has taken the core of what his ideology is or his philosophy is in terms of like, let's make a point about the times we're living in. Yeah. And really, you know, uh, really brought it to the front. I feel like if he watched it separate from being part of the creation of it, he would actually appreciate it. Yeah. No, I don't no, know. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a bold statement to make about a wizard. Maybe, but, but it is, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, uh, I'll finish up with this so you guys can go and then I'm going to do another six and a half hours <laughs> in my intro and then I'm going to fill it up with another seven and a half hours of my <laughs> outro. And then I'm going to remember that I left you guys out of this podcast entirely. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, the, 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 the first episode, uh, the first chapter has the splash of blood across the smiley face, which is the suggestion of the death of innocence. Mm-hmm. And very much in a way, the first episode has a splash of blood across the badge. Mm-hmm. And it makes you question uh, authority, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is never a bad thing. Questioning authority is always misconstrued as not respecting authority. No, mm. no, 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 no. You can respect it, but you can also question it. Yep. But it also made us question Judd and our assumptions. And w- what I found really interesting about this that I learnt... You know, I'm not a racist person in any way, and uh, I, I don't think that I am in any way. And I know the way I've been brought up, but there was still a little white part of me, even on just mm. an entertainment point of view, that wanted Judd to be something that he wasn't yeah. because it was Don Johnson and I liked him. And I think that yeah. says a lot yeah. about racism in ways that we do not expect. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, in ways that are not. Even very easy to articulate, yeah. Right now, yeah. That need to be kind of after you've you know, had the best day of your life on. watching the greatest ending yeah, to yeah. anything. But what I love about that is how it wonderfully comes back to who watches the Watchmen, right? You know, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All 100%. right, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to eat the rest of those chocolate paddle pops that I bought you in the freezer. <laughs> I'm going to roll around on the ground on a sugar high, and then I'm going to finish the rest. Thank of this you, podcast. just hey, Justin. Yes. Round of applause. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, like I said, I rolled my eyes at all your little theorizings over the last not nine all, weeks. Li- no, but, not uh, the little ones, even the big you ones. You were bang on. You uh, were bang on for most Some of things. But also just for anyone who has been enjoying this podcast, like us, yeah, we're, we're, I, I feel very fortunate to be able to come and join in because normally I listen to shows like this 
and they, they come from other countries and there's nothing I can do to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. And I just have to sit as the cool person, uh, the uncool person at the next table listening into the cool people having a great conversation. <laughs> oh, I wish right. I could give them my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I got some so, thoughts. Yeah, I've, I've, a long time listener, first time caller. But uh, <laughs> this has been, I know, a labour of love for you. Uh, yeah. For any of us in your friendship circle, we haven't seen you for uh, many, many weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows uh, on this show just uh, how much effort you have put into it, how much love you put into it, how much you care about just the genre. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just want to say congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been, regardless of being part of it or not, it's been an absolute pleasure to listen to, and, and yes. congratulations to you for all the effort you've put in. Oh, thanks, mate. You know what? Sometimes battle pop. Some <laughs> sometimes you you just have a moment where you, you make a commitment, and then a year later, everything turns out well. And what that means is you had a great year. I've had it with Interstellar. Fuck, I doubled down on that motherfucker <laughs> of a movie like an arsehole and I fucking won. <laughs> and uh, and I'm so wrapped that this is finished like this. But, but you know, just because it's good to have good stuff, you know. Uh, is this the point I should let you know there is a horseshoe in your pedal pop? <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully I'll be able to get out of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you to Rove McManus and Ben Irwood for joining me tonight. Ben will be joining me for two more episodes of the graphic novel that begin this week. And uh, speaking of this week, don't forget I'm doing a laid-back wrap-up of the year at the Rhino Room in Adelaide on the 20th of December. Head to the website, use the promo Big Squid, all one word, to get yourself two-for-one tickets. I think you can use that on the door. And if you can't, I'll, I'll just make sure that you can. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast or you know someone who might get into it as they binge this series, please pass them over to, uh, please pass us over. Yeah, just pass, pass us over and say, you know, have some fun with us. Uh, you know, I think you'd still be able to enjoy it at a, at a different pace than the week to week. Uh, if you'd like to give us a positive review on whichever platform you use, that would be super appreciated as well. Uh, thank you so much for listening and being a part of this trip. It's been such a fun experience. It's been a wonderful experience. It's uh, it's it's been really inspiring from a storytelling point of view. It's been really uh, it's just been really inspiring to have you guys just to be hanging out, throwing ideas around. It's been it's just been a real fun. Um, it's just great to have a little community. I guess, that we cultivated in such a small amount of time. You've been super smart, you're funny, you're savvy, and you're just good company. And uh, I hope I've repaid you uh, through this podcast. I'll be back later in the week with more thoughts about the finale and Chapter 9 of the graphic novel. Until then. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.